live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And also joining us in studio, friend of the show, fam of the show, hashtag 607 podcast is in the building. You know him as the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast, co-host of Horizon 607, host of 607 TWS on Twitch. Am I missing anything? Or did I nail everything there? Ah, pretty much everything. Probably probably some other stuff that I'm doing that I don't even know about yet. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the show the one and only Rich Coriol. What's up, ODPH Society? I do believe this is a milestone. I do believe this is the first time I've been on this show proper. Yes, the this entertainment is this version, edition. I've been on the sports show a bunch of times. I've been on special editions of this show. I've even been in inter- interview segments on this show, but this is the first time I've actually been in studio. So it's kind of awesome. So I'm, I'm ready to talk some pop culture and nerdum with the society today. That's it's fun. Let's do it. So yeah, as Rich said, you are listening to the entertainment edition of the ODPH podcast. We definitely want to interact with you. So remember. Remember to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. The links are right there. Check out Parlay Points. New comics blogs dropping this week. And, man, we got a stacked lineup for that. Check out the Public store. All that and so much more is at odphpodcast.com. And always remember to use the hashtag odphpod. So kicking off this entertainment edition of the show, we have to recap the amazingness that can only be described as New York Comic Con 2021. Yeah. We returned to the Javits in person for an amazing weekend. We took Rich with us this year. We had our guy Dre Driven with us as well. It was an absolute fun time rocking as press down there, and there was a lot to discuss. If you were following ODPH social media as well as 607 Podcast social media this week, you didn't miss a beat. We covered a lot, but now we kind of have to give our grades, our awards, our what stood out to us that we've had a day to decompress after four amazing days of content that only Reed Pop and the Javits can provide? So that being said, let us recap New York Comic Con 2021. And Rich, since you are our guest, we'll let you kick off. Who won Comic Con to you? Oh, who won Comic Con to me? Well, you since you didn't give me the cheap option not to pick that, uh, the Ghostbusters panel won Comic Con. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yes. Uh, because I, I would have to say by far, lots of good news, but by far the biggest news out of there was the fact that uh, we had a surprise screening of the entirety of Ghostbusters Afterlife. So uh, that that's pretty awesome in its own. So I'm going to say that that was, was the winner in my, in my estimation. That was the winner overall was the uh, wonderful panel uh, that we went, that we attended myself, you, Dre driven Tyler from 30 and nerdy. Yes. We all, uh, we all attended it, and uh, very nice stuff to come out of it. Uh, I mean, uh, they had pretty much the entire child cast of Ghostbusters there, uh, plus uh, the mother, and then, of course, both Jason and Ivan Reitman and the co-writer of the film as well. So, I mean, it was it was a very informative panel. They said a lot of great, cool things, and then at the end, uh, Jason Reitman shouldn't play professional poker, though. Yes, he should not. Because uh, when they asked him... To introduce a clip, and he was like, he had this cheesy grin on his face. You knew something was up. 
and uh, then politely told us that we had been patient enough. So we waited long enough for the movie, so we were going to see it tonight. And so that was pretty awesome. It, and, uh, it absolutely delivered on that. I think that that was my crowning number one A grade for Comic-Con. The panel for Ghostbusters Afterlife, if you are not familiar with the iconic movie franchise that is coming back in such a big way mm-hmm. this year, the Afterlife show was absolutely captured everybody and really reminded moviegoers that if you became disenfranchised with the Ghostbusters movies, this brought you back. Oh, absolutely. In tenfold. Uh, I will not be spoiling anything. The embargo is not a 72-hour embargo. This embargo is, you know, the the movie doesn't drop till November 19th, so this is an over-a-month embargo. Uh, You know, I'm sure some other people have already spoiled this movie out there, which is terrible because I think this movie should be watched unspoiled. So avoid all spoilers, especially if you're a fan. Listen, I'll spoil the shit out of it. Jar Jar Bing shows up. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Padawan J was not there, so there was no Jar Jar sightings. Yes. And then also, I don't think Ghostbusters is owned by Disney. That would have been great, though. The mouse owns everything. How great would it be if accidentally you gave away the ending of the movie? <laughs> That'd be wild. Pat had a bootleg. That'd be wild, and you'd have to let me know off air so that I could go buy a lotto ticket. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but no, that doesn't happen, so don't buy a lotto ticket. But uh, the, all I will say that is the way I've boiled it down to everybody who's asked me, if you are not a fan of Ghostbusters, this is still a good movie. Mm-hmm. It was a very entertaining movie, even if you weren't a fan. Now, if you are a fan of Ghostbusters, this is what you wanted to see. And I've said it, this is probably the greatest love letter to fans of all time. I agree. Uh, and the only spoiler I will give you is stay in your seats because there's not one but two. There's a mid-credit uh, scene and a post-credit scene. So mm, make sure you stay in your seats because it's very important that you see both because they uh, one is a lot of fun and the other one is very informative if you if you want to get that's the, as far as I'll go with that. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was it was a great time. It was a great shock. It made my – this is my first Comic-Con, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Not just first as press, which it was my first as press. And this was like, oh, man, this is like great moments that you hear about. You know, and San Diego usually has these moments. Yeah. Let's oh, be yeah. honest. Not yeah. New York. I mean, New York has some big news that comes out. But usually when you think about the big mic drop moments, it's, yeah. you know, Marvel showing up in Hall H and fucking announcing Everything. the entire lineup for the next phase. And everybody's like, oh, my God. And you're, you're, you're clapping. And I think the New York Comic Con being the first major con back in person, yeah, I think they wanted to have a mic drop moment. I think that uh, Jason uh, uh, Reitman took advantage of that as well. So kudos to him and thank you very much for showing us the movie. And said, here's the mic drop. We're going to show the movie that everybody wants to see and get that buzz out there and keep it healthy. Plus, what's more New York than Ghostbusters? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think for this being the first time in two years that we've been back in person at the Javits, at the pop culture mecca that is New York Comic Con, they wanted to come back in a big way. They just put on that great new addition for the Empire stage, which is a completely side building if you haven't been down to the Javits. It was absolutely impressive to go into and then to really put that stamp, that mic drop moment on the weekend. And granted, it was Friday night that this happened still. Mm -hmm. But the buzz about this has still carried through. And for the cast that was there and Ivan Reitman and Jason Reitman, who were really so passionate about seeing the fans, like it, it radiated to that crowd and really delivered that point home that when they said, you know, we're ready to go show you a movie and Jason Reitman just said, no, nah, you've waited long enough. Here's the, here's the movie in its entirety. We want to give it to you and just really presented that out. That was the defining moment of the weekend. And I think for New York Comic Con to really return in a big way, 
this has been the buzz about everybody's list. Yeah. Well, I also look at it like this. Uh, you got to remember in the room, as far as us in the room, it, first of all, there's a massive screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, it was shown on a massive screen. It was bigger than your standard uh, movie theater screen. Not quite an IMAX screen, but it, it was it was it was a big ass screen. But secondly, being in a room of like six thousand plus, closer to seven thousand. Uh, it was cool that unlike a movie theater where you, you, you don't really make noises. Oh, you made noises. Like yeah. everybody was clapping and cheering and laughing out loud and having a good time with it. So it was kind of like that. Like it almost felt like you're like, you were watching it at home it, with your 6,000 plus closest friends. Yes. And I thought that that really made it a lot, a lot nicer. And I'm sure in the back, uh, Ivan Reitman and Jason Reitman and the entire cast that was there was, was gleaming from ear to ear. Listening to the reaction of the crowd because well, you knew they were back there because you could see flashes oh, yeah. of, of them taking pictures. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and you got to figure this is a cheaper screen test for them to do than your average screen test where you got to however you go through that process because that's all fine and dandy to do an average regular screen test with to see how it's testing. This is probably the best screen test you can give this though because this isn't just, you know, a theater of however many people a theater holds, you know, 50 to 100, whatever it is, you know showing up and watching the movie this is you know six to seven thousand plus people who are fans of the franchise who have been involved with the franchise for however long it is since day one when the first movie came out or since they first got introduced years later that for them this is all right if we know this movie is gonna be great or not this is how we do it oh yeah could you imagine if the movie was bad Oh my god no holy crap like i'm, I'm being honest it wasn't, i agree with you I wasn't, no, no, but no. if it was bad that crowd would have let you know. We ended up being wrong about it, but we thought that about the last time we were there, maybe it was the year prior, with uh, the animated Spider-Man movie. I'm blanking on the name. Oh, Into the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse, because we didn't go to that panel because it was held up at Madison Square Garden, and we're like, there's no there's no way we're going to be able to get into this. And we got out of whatever panel we were watching instead and saw on Twitter that they showed like 30 to 60 minutes or whatever the hell it was. They showed a good portion they of sh- it. They showed like a third to half of the movie at the panel and we're like, yo, like what's that say about the movie? Now, hindsight, we ended up being wrong, but at the time we're sitting right. there going, you're showing ha- like a third to half of your whole movie at the, like, which had never been heard of at New York Comic Con. We're like, what does this say? Like, like I said, wrong though. Before we move on, I do want to make two statements, though. First, the Empire Stage is beautiful, and the new edition is beautiful. But if you, hopefully by next year, they fix the issues with connection up there. Because uh, on Saturday, <laughs> I got really familiar with the Empire Stage because I went up there about 12, 15 in the afternoon and didn't descend until about 9.30 p.m. So I spent over nine hours. Uh, there was nowhere up there to buy drinks. There was nowhere up there to buy food. I mean, I did have snacks and drink on me, thankfully. Uh, the bathrooms were in a really weird position because when I went to the bathroom, you, you followed me over the one yeah. time. It was really strange. They're kind of about yeah. away from where the entrances are. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's even, just even on the fourth floor because I went to the fourth floor for a couple panels, and one of which I had to go to the bathroom, but I had to walk a little ways away from where my my room was to get to the bathrooms. So if our friends at Comic Con are listening or the Javits, I just want to say. Great job. I understand it's new, so I'm not crucifying them. But next year, definitely get some food vendors up there because I bet you'll make a ton of money, especially on people who are stuck up there. Well, and you got to figure this is the test run just because this is the first major event that I know of that they've run at, oh, the, at the building. It is. Oh, absolutely. This is the first time that they've been running, obviously, with everything going on in the world. And to be kind of the test run to see, okay, what worked and what didn't. And I guarantee you this. Read Pop is very, very smart mm-hmm. about hearing feedback and seeing, okay, what went right and what went wrong. And you see a lot of changes from year to year to year oh, yeah. to improve the experience. And obviously, 
we knew that this year was going to be a little different, that everything was going to be held at the Javits. We weren't going to have to go to the Hammerstein Ballroom and MSG for different panels. Everything was locked and loaded in one case, and they were definitely making sure everybody was vaccinated and, and wristband up and making sure that they were doing the proper health etiquette. But to really make this a test run, this was like I think the biggest test they were going to have, and they passed yeah. with it. Oh yeah, oh. I'd say so because I'm uh, reading off an article from Forbes.com. Basically, uh, you know, headline reads: "Fans turn up for New York Comic Con even if big names don't." In the article, written by a gentleman by the name of Rob Sokowitz, uh, normally they sell about two hundred and fifty thousand tickets for this. Uh, though they do, we do know that New York Comic Con sold out for all four days. Uh, there was about 150,000 paid in-person attendees. So that's just folks who paid for badges. That doesn't count press. Mm-hmm. That doesn't count folks working the thing. You know, the the photographers, the people working the rooms, and and just running stuff back and forth. That doesn't include the the vendors or the celebrities or the panelists and everything else. So you're probably putting that closer to 160,000. I'd say maybe. Yeah, and the cool part about that is is that they did knock it down. Yeah. Uh, you know, they kept it under what they could have had. Because they could have had a lot more people there. And there was people looking for badges even while we were there in New York City. Yeah. But before we move on, because I know we got a big packed show, uh, I do want to make a personal one, personal observation as well, to our good friend Tyler Mack from 30 and Nerdy. Listen, that girl waited for you at Ghostbusters because we didn't know about that. You need to buy that ring and ask her to marry you. I know he's listening. Everybody in the ODPH Society at 30 and Nerdy, make sure you let him know to get that girl a ring. She deserves it uh, because, man, without question, she waited, and that was a long wait because we all thought we were getting out of this panel roughly at 7, 7.30, and we didn't get out until, like, 9.30. I mean, uh, you know, young Padawan Jay was not there, but he he made his way back to the lobby uh, I, we still felt bad for him. Don't yeah, get me absolutely, wrong. Absolutely. But but in in the in the case of like your significant other waiting in a lobby for you for two hours, yeah, man, please make it happen. Just I'm just on the behalf of everybody here, make that happen. So I wanted to make that announcement on the show. One thousand percent facts. I'm co-signing on that as well. And if she's listening, you know we we got your back. Hell yeah, right here. Hell yeah. But. That being said, Pad, you didn't make it to the panel, and we do salute you for being a trooper about that whole ordeal as well. What one Comic Con for you? Well, I'd say in terms, I got two things at one con: one being a panel, and then the other one being in a group or individual, or however you want to look at it. Uh, in terms of a group or individual, I'd have to say Funimation and anime in general, mm-hmm. just because, like we, uh, I don't know if we said on the previous show, but as we found out when we got there, Marvel was not there, right. D- DC was not there. Uh, Image Comics was not there. Valiant Comics was not there. Boom Studios was not there. Midtown Comics was not there. So that meant all of those folks I mentioned, none of the properties they own were there. You know, Valiant just had some of those movies come out. They could have been there and had a panel about their upcoming comics universe. They weren't there. Marvel was not there for any of their, like, hey, here's what's coming in the entire next year of our comics run that did not happen dc was not there so there was no usual display of you know costumes for whatever movies getting ready to come out or just came out in the in the entryway you know so there also were no dc panels there were you know there was no walking dead panel you know final season it's always been a mainstay at new york comic-con doing giant panels where norman Reedus comes riding down on a motorcycle Mm -hmm. walking dead was not there so image comics was not there but the other stu- the other companies, Funimation and the anime studios and anyone else, you know, Nickelodeon and, and you know, Paramount and Viacom and all those folks stepped up to the plate. And I got to give them kudos, especially Funimation, because they made their presence very well known throughout the entire uh, convention. 
Absolutely. Funimation as an entity, they won Comic-Con. Three major panels, also three major sites on the floor. Yeah. One outside, two mm-hmm. inside, but three major sites, three major panels. And they had smaller panels too, but I'm just saying three major ones plus the three. That's that's impressive. Uh, uh, we we were definitely impressed by them and blown away by them. Uh, as you guys know, you know we have different loves of anime and different mm-hmm. areas. And the best part about it was is that a lot of this stuff, like I came in not a My Hero Academia fan, and uh, currently I. <laughs> Watching My Hero Academia and looking forward to going to the movie. So that should tell you how much I enjoyed being at the My Hero Academia panel. Uh, you know, probably one of the best moments at uh, con period. Oh yeah, uh, Guap Dad Four Thousand. Yes, uh, having a rap performance in the in the middle of their like business presentation because that was basically what that 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 exact panel was. It was like a business presentation. Like here's what's going on. Here's what's going on with the mer- oh sorry. Not merger, uh, my bad, wink, wink, uh, the partnership with Crunchyroll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but, you know, with all of that going on, and they're like, hey, yeah, we're going to give you a rap concert. And it was yeah. fun and it was energetic, including, you know, he, uh, you know, better better to uh, ask for forgiveness than permission as he jumps and goes into the crowd. And it was amazing. It was a great time. Yeah. Uh, and right down to like our, our press event at Sakura Park, which I would have, I wish, the only thing that we regret, that I regret personally from this trip is I bought breakfast that morning because I thought it was late snacks. <laughs> yes. No, we have to give a shout out to everybody that was involved with the Funimation uh, PR team. They kicked off Khan in such a big way too at Sakura Park. We were invited up there as press to go ch- kind of check around. And we and, the, and then according to the flyer, we got light snacks, uh, tea, water. And we got up there, and they put on such an amazing spread. Yeah, there was yeah. breakfast sandwiches, breakfast burritos, something else that I didn't even recognize. Uh, I think it was a Japanese dish for breakfast. And then there was, like, all the pastries and donuts and yeah. bagels and oh, whatever else you could ask for. Like, And I'm like, damn, we paid for breakfast this morning. We could have gone there and had breakfast. Some people mm-hmm. did. I didn't know. We just thought it was going to be light snacks, so we didn't. We went to breakfast. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it was beautiful, and it was nice. They gave us swag bags. We do have to, you know, come clean about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because we don't want to think as uh, outside, but it was nice. They gave you a mask and a lanyard yeah. and a shirt. Yeah, that was great. Uh, but for me, in terms of panels that, that I really enjoyed, and I think one had to be Wheel of Time, the show coming out on November 19th on Amazon Prime. Went into this with Dre. Uh, we both covered it. You know, we both went in there 100% blind. Like, we knew absolutely jack all about the this, this show. Didn't know what it was, be- you know, other than reading the little blurb, that was on the website, I knew absolutely nothing about it, what it was based on, what the source material was. And I came out of this going, yo, I cannot wait for this because I'm a little picky with my my science fiction and fantasy uh, shows. You know, I like what I like, and if I, I'll try something, I don't always like everything. But I went into this, and, and just the energy from the, the cast and, and the showrunner really permeate it was a zoom pre-recorded uh panel you know okay but but it's still it, it came through of just how excited and how into you know the entire thing that you know the entire show they are you know they're they're so into it that a bunch of the cast are reading the books it's a 14 book series there's 14 books in this series you know that, really yeah that the show is based off of uh joshua stradowski uh, the one of the questions was asked you know who among you is the furthest along and Joshua Shrowski goes, probably me. I'm almost done with the 11th book. Oh, wow. You know, so that's really great. You know, there's seven episodes. They're dropping on November 19th. You can check out the trailer on Amazon Prime Video, or probably it's on their YouTube channel or something. They did say that a second season is coming, and they're in the process of filming season two. But just, I'm, I went into this, like I said, 100% blind, knew nothing about it. 
and they did show a brief clip, but there wasn't really much to go off of or tell what the vibe or the feel is, you know. But I came out of this going, I need to watch this show. And what's kind of a quick synopsis of this show? So the brief synopsis of this is it's set in a fantasy world, you know, where kind of like medieval where there's magic exists, but only some people can use it, you know. And then a woman uh, crosses paths with five people. And, and it's just it just sparks this whole world-spanning journey, you know. Uh, where craziness in, involves and in, in just high adventure fantasy type of stuff. You know, if it, it, to me, it seems like if you're a fan of like Lord of the Rings or something like that, you're definitely going to get vibes of this. You know, they didn't go into super too much detail because I don't think they wanted to give too much away and wanted to really get fans hooked in on it, but it worked for me. Yeah, that's a big takeaway from this panel, too. I was hearing from a lot of our fellow friends that were at Con and, and were really amped up about this book series and saying, okay, is this going to live up to the hype? Because obviously Game of Thrones was mm. such a big monster in its own right and very polarizing about what you feel at the end. Yeah. So this one obviously has kind of those vibes and like you touched upon a little Lord of the Rings mixed into. This show has a lot riding on it from Amazon. Oh, yeah. So, But the buzz about this is really big right now that I don't think mainstream has caught on just yet. No. But I feel this is going to be like when The Boys come came out and really snuck up on everybody mm-hmm. and really like captured pop culture audience. So I feel that you're going to be the same way. But, Pat, you got such high standards for this, man. I'm now excited to go yeah. check this out. Uh, next up for me, though, I got to say, speaking of The Boys... They had a just a fun panel, and sometimes at con you don't need a super over the top panel. You know, we don't need to have so much bombshells get dropped on everybody. Right. But just hearing the cast just give a little behind the scenes about what they've been doing on such a hit show, and I mean, if you haven't been following the boys on Amazon, I don't, I, I cannot help you enough. Like you need to get following it. It is an acquired taste, right? It's not your typical superhero show, but it's so well done. It captures the essence of the book written by Garth Ennis to a to the T. And they had some of the cast on, uh, Chase Crawford, Karen Fukuhara, Aaron Moriarty, Jack Quaid, and the one and only Anthony Starr, hmm. who absolutely just stole that panel. The camaraderie they had together just really resonated. And you can definitely tell they're enjoying their time together. And as a cast that plays such a very diverse group of characters, it was very cool to see how they interacted too, and oh, yeah. and just the back and forth they had going. It really made you that more excited to go catch season three when it drops. We didn't see anything about season three getting revealed there. We do know some storylines that were coming out for it, but I don't want to spoil right. anything just yet. But this was just a really fun panel that jumped out at me. Rich, how about you? I think Chucky was next on your list. Oh, man, uh, Chucky, that, that was the first time for me going up to the, uh, the good old Empire stage. Uh, they showed the entire first episode, uh, which, uh, as we record today, will be dropping tonight on Sci-Fi slash USA because it's going to be on both channels. Uh, it was it, it was a, it was a pretty slow build up to it, but it, it was very good. I enjoyed it uh, immensely. Um, we had, uh, of course, after there was a small panel, a short period of panel time because they only had a, a, a x amount of time. Uh, but Jennifer Tilly and uh, the creator of uh, the whole Child's Play series, including the show, Don Mancini were there. Uh, we, they got joined by Alex Vincent, who plays Andy in the series, mm-hmm. who's in the show. And uh, they also got joined by the uh, the, 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 the actor sorry, who is playing uh, Jake, the lead character on the show. So it was pretty cool and pretty awesome. They had a couple surprises. Uh, Don Mancini went in and talking about how the main character is based on him and his life experiences loosely, obviously, because he obviously didn't run into <laughs> any uh, uh, 
killer dolls, but uh, he's he is as a gay man in America. He grew up as a gay teenager, so the the kid in the movie or the show, sorry, is also gay. And his trials and tribulations that lead him to this point. He also made sure that people know that Jake is the exact opposite of Andy. Mm. Andy, of course, was pure and good. And Jake can be tempted. So that was kind of a little tease that he gave people over the season. Jennifer Tilly said, promised everybody that this season gets really fucked up and insane. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was funny as well. Also, she has never seen any of the Child's Play movies she's not in. Uh, that which blows my mind. Don Mancini has says now she's he's going to tie her up and make her watch them, which I thought that was also kind of funny in a way. Uh, they, they, everybody does sound like they're having fun on this cast. Uh, we do know that the uh, the made majority of the OGs do not come in until episode five. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will see glimpses of them. You will see parts of them, but they don't get intertwined in the story until episode five. And they've got quite the cast coming back from all your favorite Child's Play movies. So you'd be surprised. And even uh, people that we had, had, didn't even know were going to be back. Really? They That's promised that there's uh, some possible cameos that you're going to be like, oh, crap. There was, a lot of, there was a lot of Easter eggs even in the first episode. It is a kind of a slow build. And then you get to the end of the episode, and then you're like, ah, I see where this is going. So I have I have hope for this series based upon the end of the episode and hearing them talk. So uh, thumbs up, big thumbs up to them. Uh, they did a great job. They also gave everybody Chucky masks, and we did a big picture with everybody with these uh, Chucky face masks on. <laughs> I gave mine to my wife. It was, it was absolutely small and with the beard and stuff, <laughs> super hard to wear, but I did it for the photo. There you go. Right on. Very hearing a lot of good things about that panel coming out, too. And obviously, you said the show is debuting tonight as we're recording. So definitely I'll have to hear a recap on Horror Zone 607 this upcoming week. Yes, I'll be talking about that this week. Pat, what you have up next on your list? Uh, next up for me was probably the panel for the upcoming Dragon Ball Super movie, Dragon Ball Super Superhero. Uh, this one, of course, is the next movie. Uh, set to be released in 2022 over in Japan. Did not give a release date for the uh, you know dub version overseas. Uh, they did have at the panel the uh, gentleman who voices um, Whis, I forget his name, and then the woman who voices Balma in, in the English versions over here in the states. They were in the in the uh, panel. They did not find out their characters Whis and Balma respectively were going to be in the movie until that very instance at the panel. So they're like, "Listen, we're finding out with you folks," is you know. So they they when they went to go do a Q and A, they said, "Listen, don't ask us when the movie is coming out stateside." We literally have not recorded a word of this for, you know. That's the, so wild. The, and so don't know anything about that. Uh, we got to see the first ever footage uh, for the movie because it was announced back in March uh, for Goku Day, you know, that the movie was coming. We got to see the first ever footage, you know, which is the clip you can see online. It's been circling uh, the internet. Uh, we found out the name of two new characters who were named Gamma 1 and Gamma 2. Don't know much about any of what's going on with there. We didn't hear any dialogue or anything. The trailer that plays online is what we heard in the panel so it's not like oh it's hall h moment where like we get to hear the dialogue but you don't like no what you see on the video online is what we saw on the panel so it's just the music uh they did confirm that the red ribbon army if you're familiar with the dragon ball lore is making a return you know so something's going on with that uh the cool thing is is we did have it was kudos to these guys because we did have live video in from over in Tokyo at the studio working on it where it was. So it was like 1130, 1140 AM here. Uh, it was, you know, one in the morning over there. Okay. It was absolute, but they stayed up and did it. You had uh, one of the producers, Akio Ayoku, 
uh, confirm uh, that the movie takes place 10 years after Goku's defeat of Majin Buu, so the end of the Dragon Ball Z series. Uh, he said, quote, Every time we make a new movie, we like to update the visuals. Every time you see a new Dragon Ball movie, you are experiencing the newest version of Dragon Ball. We are committed to giving the best quality and newest version possible. Uh, you also had producer uh, Norihiro Hayashida uh, say, One of the themes we wanted to portray in this film was the theme of pop. In Japanese, we use pop to describe that our fashionable, cool, beautiful, something that's contemporary and modern. Together with the director, we really researched some unprecedented uses of movement, colors, and textures. So we've made some really uh, sophisticated artwork uh, for this film. Close quote. Uh, one of the things we did learn is that Goku's granddaughter, Gohan's daughter, Pan, is training with Piccolo, which <laughs> if you've seen Dragon Ball Z, you know how that usually goes. Yeah. Uh, Piccolo does have a house, uh, which was always which was a, definitely a big surprise. Uh, we did get a bit of a surprise, though. It had two pre-recorded interviews, one with uh, Toshi, to, Toshiho uh, Furukawa, who was the Japanese voice of Piccolo, you know, basically answering, you know, uh, he answered in the drama parts and the battle parts and said, you know, the quality of, uh, of each is quite high. Uh, and then this was the big shock. Uh, we got a pre-recorded interview with Masako Nozawa, who is the Japanese voice of Goku. You know, so that was definitely a surprise. Did not see that coming. You know, she described the battle sequences as absolutely amazing. You know, and like I said, they didn't give a release date just because they're still uh, discussing the distribution. You know, they're still in negotiations, you know. So definitely I'm super excited for this. It looked really awesome, and I just cannot wait for this movie to come out because it. There's people are already, like, digging apart and, and going over the trailer that's, like, 30 to 45 seconds with a comb. And there's one thing in it that I think I've spotted that if it ends up happening and it is true what I think is happening, I'm going to go nuts. That's some big praise right there. You know, Dragon Ball, I know that was circled on your calendar. Oh, yeah. And you were, you're definitely excited about that one. And with, you know, the super superhero movie, try yeah. saying that three times fast. I know. Coming. I mean, that's something that's got a lot of DB fans really talking. As good as Dragon Ball and the Dragon Ball series is, not known for making their names real easy. Super Saiyan, God, Super Saiyan. Just yeah. saying. Facts. Next up on my list was the AEW panel. Oh, boy, this was crazy. This one was just fun. And that's something that, for being in front of a live crowd, the superstars involved from All Elite Wrestling definitely were living in the moment. We had Thunder Rosa, yep. Darby Allin, Orange Cassidy, Adam Cole. Baby. And Tony Schiavone moderating. Yeah. And this one, Rich and I were in attendance for Pad. You were there, too. Yes. Just a fun panel. I did not think the MVP of this was going to be Orange Cassidy at the offset. Oh, no. But his one-liners and character just carried it through. I thought Thunder Rosa was great during this as well. Rich, you got some thoughts on this? Oh, I I enjoyed it. I I enjoyed the... The banter of one Orange Cassidy, especially shooting down bad questions. Yes. Uh, also, Tony Schiavone, man, he's he gets. Uh, I, I I don't want to say cranky because I enjoyed every minute of it, but he gets heated. He he let people know, like, uh, nah, we're not going to talk about. You know, we we don't know anything about this. This is not our business. Mm-hmm. Uh, told everybody to go to the next panel, which is Booking One Hundred and One, and then they can book their own shit. Great line. Uh, and then, uh, of course, telling people that if they had to book an episode of Dynamite, that by 7.55 at the latest, their assholes would seal right up. Yep. Uh, I thought that was a great line as well. And then also took the approach of uh, saying that uh, there is no wrestling war. That it's just competition. And competition is good because everybody can succeed. And the fans should just be happy and stop crapping on things because 
Why, why crap on him when you can enjoy everything? Uh, I thought that was a very interesting take from Shivani, a very smart take from mm-hmm. Tony Shivani. I agree. As he pointed out during the Monday Night Wars, both companies did very well. Yeah, that's an absolute fact that I think a lot of fans don't get these days because yeah. everybody's so caught up in the Twitter hype mm-hmm. of AEW versus WWE that you just have to really sit back and relax and just enjoy the moment that you're in. And for being a wrestling fan, there's so much wrestling. Like we talk about on 607 TWS all the time. There's something for everybody out there. Just be a fan yeah, and just enjoy it. And in fact, when we were hearing about the one great question that was asked at the panel about who would a dream opponent be for everybody. Yeah. I have never heard Orange Cassidy jump up so quick, break character, <laughs> and call out Zack Sabre Jr. I had to do a double take. I remember staring at Rich going like, did, did this just happen? Yeah, because yeah. yeah, the thing is, is Orange Cassidy, I've had the pleasure of meeting him. He was at uh, an Excite show a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, met the man in person. He's a great guy, you know, but the entire time he's on the panel, he's in here. The man lives the gimmick. Yes. You know, because you start off the panel, they're going through talking to each of the wrestlers. And Shivani's going through and, and talking about the instance where he either first became aware of the person or he met the person. He talked about meeting Thunder Rosa in, in Staten Island or whatever it was. You know, talked about meeting uh, Darby Allen at, at MLW down in Florida. You know, and then, you know, he goes, the first time I saw Orange Cassidy was probably like a lot of you, where it was uh, online and he fell asleep in the middle of the ring. You know, what was going on with that? And Darby just looks at him and goes, I was tired. Yeah. Uh, simple as that. I was tired. So it was just off the cuff, you know, laid back, you know, stuff like that, that I'm like, this man lives the fucking gimmick. And it's amazing. And then next thing you know, he's like, Zack Sabre Jr. You know where I am, Zack. Like, yeah. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's, 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 he was something there. He was fired up. Of course, Adam Cole said Okada. Yeah. One that, on one. I'm, I'm here for that. I'm, yeah. all, I'm here all day and for then, that. And uh, then Thunder Rosa after Tony Schiavone. And I think this is what led, if I remember correctly, this is what led to Tony Schiavone doing the war. Not, the, the thing about the war is nonsense mm-hmm. because Ridgens was like, well, the person works for the other company, so I can't say their name. And Shivani was like, no, 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 no. You can say whoever. You, who, who is it? And she said, everybody was chanting Asuka, and she was like, no, because she said Japanese. Somebody was, she was in Japan. And it was Io Shirai. Yeah. And that's, I think right after that, if I, if I remember yeah, correctly, right. Shivani then went into the whole, hey, listen, this is, this is fans. You should eat it up. Everybody can be successful. Well, and I think that was partially – for the fans, you know, Shivani said that, but I think it was also just like a level of understanding amongst the wrestlers. Like, Hey, don't feel bad to talk about this because earlier in the panel, uh, it got asked what, you know, about the crazy bumps they've taken. And, and he, and he talked about the crazy one Darby Allen took where he went to the balcony of, you know, some MLW show and like, there's no way you're going to do this. But then Cole talked about, you know, taking Champa, the, the Emerald the, fusion from the top of the cage. He go, he, he didn't go, Oh, I took a, you know, whatever from the top of the cage from somebody. No, he flat out said Tommaso Champa. And then they said the next night I, I, I wrestled Pete Dunn. So he goes, yeah, yeah. I, I took a, whatever from Tommaso Champa from the top of the cage. And then the next night I went and wrestled Pete Dunn, which everyone in the room knows who they're signed with currently. So it's like, Hey, you don't got to beat her on the bush. See, Cole didn't give a damn. No, he didn't. Yeah. And I think Shivani was trying to let everybody else on that panel know, hey, listen. You can say. Management's not here, and I don't care. And if, if I'm the if I'm the person who's in charge, let's do it. Yeah. And and, and, that's, and I think, he, and like I said, it was for the fans as well. Because it was kind of like, hey, listen. It needs to be said. It needs to be said. And, and I wish I would have recorded that, but I was trying to be respectful. Yeah. Because I'll tell you what, that would have been great just to play over and over again. But that's the kind of guy Tony Schiavone is. And uh, the passion was there. The crowd loves Schiavone, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it was a really good time. And, well, uh, and Schiavone just gets it because that was one thing he brought up, you know, 
at the, at the beginning of the panel, he's been around wrestling a long time. Facts. He goes, he goes, I've been around wrestling so long that some of you in this room weren't even born when I started in the wrestling business. Mm-hmm. You know, so he, he was in the wrestling business when you held a side headlock for 10 minutes is what yeah. he said. And yeah, he that goes, was a big thing. He, yeah, he goes, oh, yeah, when I started in the wrestling business, holding a side lock for 10 minutes was considered a great match. Now he goes, now you got these guys and, and girls doing all these crazy spots and moves and all of everything. But the, you think about it, though. He has seen the business ebb and flow and change and grow and, and everything else. He gets it. Oh, yeah. And that's the big takeaway from that panel is they understood that they were doing it in front of fans and just be in the moment. And Tony was just trying to encourage everybody, let your guard down. Like, we don't have to sit there and not put over another company because at the end of the day, it's just us talking with fans about experiences we've gone through. And that's what you go for as fans. You definitely want to be in that attendance to have that moment. It definitely helped AEW. I think it might have won some people over that were kind of on the fence about checking them out. Mm-hmm. That this was their first time seeing these superstars. It definitely made somebody go, okay, I'm going to check out Dynamite this week and see what this hype is about. So that's what you want to, from any panel like this is just to get some interest into your product. And hopefully that translates into somebody checking it out or purchasing it or becoming involved in being a fan. Rich, what else do you have on your list? Uh, well, I guess uh, we'll go to something slightly personal. I, I got to do two sets of interviews at uh, New York Comic Con this year uh, in the press room. So thank you so much. Uh, first off, thank you so much to Discovery Plus and the uh, cast of Kindred Spirits and Ghost Hunters. That's nice. right. They're back. The Ghost Hunters are back as Ghost Hunters. Uh, we got to sit down in a little round table with them and with, with a bunch of other great uh, uh, reporters from all over. Uh, takeaways from that is uh, they've moved Kindred Spirits up for all of you fans of it. It was originally supposed to come out in January 2022. It will now be coming out in December. Hmm. December. Interesting. So there you go. And, of course, Ghost Hunters premieres on October 31st on Discovery+. Plus. Perfect timing. And uh, they will actually be joined uh, by uh, the folks from Kindred Spirits. And they were all the, the original cast of Ghost Hunters anyways. It's two different shows, but they are all the original cast of Ghost Hunters, so it's kind of cool. The band is back together for the Halloween episode. Uh, lots of cool things. I can tell you the Kindred Spirits people uh, told us they found a dead body. That's wild. Like a legit dead body, not like, oh, we found a ghost. No, dead body. And uh, some really cool stuff from the Ghost Hunters saying that uh, they got some of their uh their 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 clearest emvs uh this season so look forward to that lots of cool stories from them and then the second uh, group of interviews i was a part of uh was why the last man and uh, they the came fx show they they for, so thank hulu you. Show. thanks to well fx it is fx yep. it's fx and hulu so uh thanks thank you to them for being awesome uh, lots of fun. They brought they brought a, a bunch of the stars from the show, but they also brought the showrunner and writer Eliza Clark, and she's so passionate about it. She's passionate about the comic book that it's inspired by. She's passionate about what she's doing and changing, and uh, she's definitely communicating with uh, everybody who was involved with the comic book to uh, make this world. Because obviously, you have to change things up. And it was a, it was a really good interview with them. They were all very nice. Uh, like I said, she's by far one of like everybody talked highly. Uh, she goes by Eli. That's what she, that, that's her, that's her nickname. Okay. So a lot of the cast just called her Eli. Cause I guess that's pretty much like she wants to be called. Okay. Uh, she was amazing. Everybody there was amazing. Oh my God. Uh, uh, one of the, be- one of the funniest, uh, nice people was, uh, Ashley Romans. She's on the show. She was, she was, uh, she plays agent 355. She was very fun. Uh, very giving. Uh, and like I said, I can't say enough good about everybody that was there, but, uh, thank you once again to, uh, I'm going to be clearing up that audio and stuff. So you guys will be hearing that either on a YouTube video here or everywhere else you get 607 podcasts. Uh, cause there's some audio cleanup you have to do. Unfortunately with round tables, uh, 
Uh, there's everybody is at a different table and you're in the same area, so you kind of get some bleeding you get over. Stuff bleeding over. So I have to kind of uh, isolate some stuff this week. But uh, yeah, it was it was a really good time. I uh, so thank you to FX Hulu, Discovery Plus, The Ghost Hunters, Kindred Spirits, and uh, of course Why the Last Man for having us involved. And uh, Dre Driven got to watch episode seven, said it was very good. Yeah, he was definitely hyping up that. He said the show, he said the episode was great, and he was saying that Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerrera, who are the creators of the Why the Last Man comic book came out so that was a cool moment for him he was saying and he said the vibe there was really a great one too a lot of high energy there as well and especially brian k vaughn news breaking that saga is officially coming back in january oh there you go so that's huge comic book news if you haven't read saga you gotta get familiar with yeah, that I, I heard i heard that that there was rumblings of that while we were at comic-con not that wasn't announced yet but it was there was rumblings going around that that was a possibility and they were hoping that that would be announced yes yeah, so that is something that did get leaked out, so definitely exciting news about that. I know that was buzzing through comic book Twitter all day on Sunday, so definitely excited about that. Pad, what else do you have? Uh, for me, it's kind of like two in the same vein, though. It was the two voice acting panels I got to go to, uh, the first one of which was the Star Wars voice actors panel. This was with D. D Bradley Baker and Matthew Wood. Uh, D. Bradley Baker, if you don't know, uh, he is the voice of Klaus on American Dad, Perry the Platypus, and Phineas and Ferb. Uh, he's the voice of every clone in like Star Wars Clone Wars, Star Wars Rebels, you know, and then Star Wars Bad Batch. Uh, he was also he's also Olmec from Legends of the Hidden Temple. You know, he's Ra's al Ghul in Batman Arkham City, Momo and Appa in Avatar: The Last Airbender. You know, he was he was uh, Daffy Duck in the original Space Jam. You know, okay. oh, I, I can't go through everything he's ever done in because according to his IMDb, he has six hundred and thirty seven acting credits. So we'd be here a while. But it was with him and Matthew Wood, who works for, who's worked in the business uh, with Lucasfilm for 30 years. He voiced General Grievous in Star Wars Revenge of the Sith and also in Clone Wars. So that one was really cool just because it was the two of them talking shop and how they got into the business. You know, both of them kind of in a similar vein of started in plays and moved on to kind of bigger productions before eventually ending up in... You know, in the film industry, Matthew Woods was very interesting, though, just because he saw he was living out in California, not far from where the Lucasfilm ranch is. And he saw a job listing in the newspaper and and but it didn't say for what company it was. It just said you would be a quality assurance tester. And it listed the place and going to the library and doing because this is before the age of the Internet and Google did his research at the library, figured out that where it was. He's like, all right, there's two businesses out there. There's a dairy farm, but then there's also Lucasfilm. So he goes, I'm either going to be a quality assurance tester for a piece of dairy equipment or something involving Lucasfilm. So he wrote up his resume on Microsoft Paint. Oh, wow. This is not a joke. Uh, Added at the bottom of the resume at the advice of his father. You know, father said, well, put put a couple of sentences in there just to really make yourself stand out from the rest of the crowd. And he had no idea what to put. So he put in excellent health and living with my parents, you know, and then he faxed. Yes. Again, this is how long ago this was faxed his resume to Lucasfilm. Uh, got a call a couple of weeks later at his parents house. Father picked up the phone and goes, yeah, hi, is um, uh, Mr. Matthew Wood there? Yeah. Who is this? Oh, this is Lucasfilm. We're looking to talk to him. They wanted to talk to him because they had never received a resume by fax machine before. Ended up getting a job and, and working in uh, the Lucas uh, Lucas Arts, you know, the video game studio, being a quality testing the video games, making sure they're all good before eventually making his way over to uh, you know the, the film production side of things where he's very heavily involved in sound production. You know, he worked on. Loki, Falcon and Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Clone Wars, Bad Batch, you know, a whole bunch, all the Star Wars sequel films. You know, it was just the two of them talking shop. You know, I thought one of the interesting moments, though, was 
how do you with especially because Matthew Wood does the droid voices. Mm-hmm. So all of the droids and clone in the movies and Clone Wars and, and Rebels and everything else. And and that D. Bradley Baker doing all of the clones. With all of the characters having kind of like these different personalities and tone of voices and all that, how do you in the clone heavy voices, the droid heavy voices, you know, how do you make the jump between one to the next if you're talking at the same time? Matthew Wood said, you know, I've basically got a picture of them in my head and what they look like and what they sound like. And I just got a picture of them in my head, you know, and I, and I go there. D Bradley Baker had the interesting one where he's like, I'm basically jumping from cliff to cliff or like ledge to ledge, like on this ledge, I'm supposed to be Rex on this ledge. I'm supposed to be Cody, you know? So it was just interesting, you know, back and forth. Uh, one person did ask them, you know, what color would your lightsaber like to be? D Bradley Baker said, ah, blue, give me, give me blue. Uh, and then Matthew Wood, of course, voicing General Grievous in his best Grievous voice he could do because, hey, he didn't have the technology to alter his voice all the way, said, oh, whatever, what what lightsaber would I like to add to my collection, which was really cool. And then he goes, probably something wrapped in Padawan braids, which everyone in the room went, oh, God, even the panelists went and go looked at him and went, oh, my God, you seriously said that. Highlight of the goddamn panel, though, was somebody living in the age of the Internet did not miss their opportunity, had General Grievous on stage looked at him and said, hello there, much like Ewan McGregor does in Revenge of the Sith. And without missing a voice, and I cannot believe he hasn't done this before, he said this is the first time he's done this, without missing a beat, Matthew Wood goes, General Gre- or uh, General Kenobi, you are a bold one. So I got to hear the goddamn meme in person, which was bucketless stuff. Uh, the other cool one I got to go to, which I had to leave the AW panel for, because if I did not, I would not have made it to this panel, was the uh, Avatar Braving the Elements podcast recording with Je- Jeanette Varney, who voices Korra in The Legend of Korra, and then Dante Bosco, who some of you might know as Rufio from uh, the, the Hook film, but he also voices uh, Prince Zuko from Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, if I had not have left the AEW panel when I did, I would not have made this panel because about 10 minutes after I made it from the uh, main stage up to the fourth floor of the new portion of the uh, Javits, uh, and about 10 minutes after I got there, they capped the line. And there was a moment where about f- they started going through and counting how many people they had room for in the studio, in the, in the room. About four or five people after me, they cut the line. So I just barely made it into this panel. But so it was with Jeanette Varney, uh, Dante Bosco, and then they also had because he was in the in the area D. Bradley Baker because as I mentioned he voiced Appa and Momo from uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, and and J- uh, Jeanette Varney went to the Avatar Wiki folks and said, "Hey, I need some scripts. You know, I need to know some episodes that are very animal and Zuko based, you know, so that we can get Dante and D to read some scripts." So they gave her a list, and she went to Nickelodeon because Nickelodeon. Uh, is in charge of the podcast and they gave her the script. So I got to hear some scripts from the show read by the characters uh, on stage, which was really cool. And then I also got to hear because she couldn't miss an opportunity. This is the first live recording they've ever done of this pan of this podcast since they started, you know, back in the middle of the pandemic, you know, but she could not miss the opportunity in front of the fans, give the fans something they want. If you've ever seen Avatar, the last airbender and specifically the third season, you know, the moment where Zuko's going from a bad guy to a good guy. And he's looking to join the avatar spoiler alert. And he, and he's practicing what he's going to say to them because to this point, it's two and a half seasons of just chasing them all over the world, causing them headaches and absolute putting them through absolute hell. And he's practicing it in front of an animal. And he goes, hello, Zuko here. Hmm. And he just goes through this whole thing. And I'm everyone like he goes, she goes, all right, I'm going to have him read another scene that you all might be familiar with. And let me give you this photo as a hint. And it was a still shot of that scene. And everyone, myself included, went, 
oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, he's going to say it. So I've got a video on my phone of him giving that whole speech that I'm going to treasure for the rest of my life because between that and then General Kenobi, you are a bold one. That is two bucket list items that I've wanted to hear set in person that I got to cross off my list. Can't go wrong with that. I mean, that's Absolutely one, that's one great thing with Khan because not only can you get those kind of moments, you can also meet celebrities, get pictures, autographs, and that whole nine too. But that's really what makes Khan stand out. For be, I always say it's got to be an in-person event. Yeah. Because, I mean, you can watch it virtually, and there's nothing wrong with that either. But there's something about going there live and experiencing those moments live that really nothing can duplicate. No. If you, no matter how hard you try. The last panel I had personally that I would definitely want to talk about was these two relative unknowns in the comic industry. Uh, some guys you might have heard of named Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. I heard they're washed up. I, I mean, I, I've heard that, you know, they're actually the best tag team in all of comic book history, at least my personal opinion. Comicsology had a panel on Saturday night that I was very, very much intrigued about. Because they were talking about the new comic book line that Scott Snyder is leading uh, that's going to be debuting on Comixology. And then there'll be books will be printed out on Dark Horse about six months after. They just released We Have Demons number one. And that's Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. That dropped last week. I have it in my uh, on my Unlimited account, which I highly recommend. Get Comixology Unlimited. And you can definitely get all these books lined up to you. So I'll give them a, a free plug on that. We Have Demons is absolutely amazing. And I cannot stress enough about it. It's a must-read. This week coming out under that line is Clear Number 1 with Scott Snyder. And Francis Manipal is doing that one. And it's a sci-fi book. So each one of these are going to be very different that Scott's doing under this. So they were in the in the building talking about that as well. And really kind of giving a breakdown about not just their time with Batman. Because obviously everybody knows their legendary run of Batman. But they were really kind of breaking down... Their new projects they got going on, they were saying about how it was the first time they saw each other in two years since the pandemic happened at New York Comic Con. So they were definitely excited to be there in front of fans talking. We did get a little background about We Have Demons and a story about a daughter of a demon-hunting pastor. Mm. So after he passes away, she's drawn into the battle, and it is absolutely as batshit crazy as it sounds. I can't get enough of it. And they said that right now they have so far 100-plus pages done. And as long as the fans are really into it and they really want it, they will keep keep doing more. So it's not like this will be done after the first three issues. Are right. Done. They have a lot more stories to tell. It just depends on what the fans want to do. And like I said, Clear Number 1 comes out this week. If you're on Comixology right now, you can go look at it right now and go get it. And that one, like I said, is more of a sci-fi uh, murder mystery that's going on in there as well. So All it's right. a really cool concept there. And then coming out after that is Night of the Ghoul, and it's about a lost horror film from the 1930s that has a little more supernatural elements to it than, than meets the eye. And it was just really cool about hearing about the breakdown about this big move because we've been hearing over the past few months about creators leaving the big companies and doing their sub stacks and going on and doing their own thing. And I thought how Scott Snyder put this was very, very well. And he was saying about his belief is, that with digital and print mediums, they're held at competitive lines. And he was saying the idea is when you go stream a movie, I mean, I know we all do streaming nowadays. It's kind of the norm. But when you're really impressed with a movie, how many of us go out and go buy the collector's edition Blu-ray? Um, I mean, it depends on the movie for me. I mean, I certainly for Star Wars, I try to get the collector's editions as much as I could. Uh, but in, but in terms of like buying a movie, almost almost always. Yeah, Rich, same thing. Yeah, I, I, I don't really buy anything to watch. I Like I said, I buy it to collect. 
Yeah. Pretty much. But it was kind of like the same idea that they had here is that they're saying well, there's such a boom now with uh, novelty stores like that, that with the comic shops, this is something to really get people to check the books out online. And then once they come out, people want to go collect because that's something that as comic book fans, we all have that itch about collecting and, you know, obviously having that first print run. So this is something that he says is going to try in his opinion, really generate a lot of buzz to go back to the comic shops. And I'm all here for it. I think it was a great concept that he has going with this. And then you kind of heard just like a little more uh, stories between him and Greg and Greg does not do digital drawing. That blew my mind that mm, he, he's, he's old school as it comes with a pencil and was really talking about making sure to, you know, do covers at least and have original art to sell. Like I, he had a really great story for any up and coming artist to do that for, you know, obviously for, for future endeavors. And he was also saying that, you know, you just really get just how much he really loves the experience over it. He said, you know, there's something about drawing with a pencil in your hands and he can go on and on about pencils and really give you that passionate side of him and his storytelling with that. And if he wasn't doing horror books, he'd be doing superhero Fantastic Four type books, hmm. which I mean, that I, that's how I got introduced to him. I remember he used to draw Quasar and then he went to X-Force. That was my first experience with him. And then obviously now he's the superstar that he is. And then I thought Scott Snyder had a great quote to say there and okay. he, was, he was talking about I, I, I can't remember if a fan brought up or he or the moderator did about does he feel he's a horror writer mm-hmm. and what he said is he considers himself a horror writer because what he said and I'm going to paraphrase this is when horror is done right it's the most perfect example of conflict so Rich you're the horror expert in the room what's your feelings on that I, I think this is one of the greatest things I could have ever heard uh, a lot of a lot of times people downplay horror as a genre, whether it's in comics or novels or uh, movies. I mean, in the novels, you get a little bit better because people respect people, of course, like Stephen King and such. Uh, but uh, and I'm not saying people don't respect uh, the people in the horror movie industry, but a lot of times people blow it off like, oh, you're just doing this because it's easy. And to hear somebody who is a great writer go, no, it's 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 about the conflict, and it really is. Think about it. And and anything that you write, the conflict is good versus evil. Mm-hmm. Where is that more? Uh, where is that line the most black and white? And it's in horror. Uh, even even when you kind of you know make the line gray for a while, eventually you know who's evil and who's good, and then you know which side you're supposed to root for. Uh, and I think that it's a, it is a perfect example of conflict and it just makes me think that, you know, when you have people downgrading it as a genre, now you go, Oh, wait a minute. If Scott Snyder says this is, you know, the definitive genre, maybe it is. And maybe you should take a look at that. And it was kind of cool to have that respect. And he does a great job of writing horror. Yeah. It's uh, fantastic. Going back to, to, you know, what Capullo said about the drawings. I mean, if you're an artist, why wouldn't you want to have your own drawings? Yeah. You know, you're going to, you're going to sell, you know, the stuff to this, you know, to the comic book company or whoever, and then you're going to get paid whatever you got paid for that commission. And that's it. You know, they're going to make the rest of the money. You know, you're they're, You're not going to see the rest of the money from however many runs they do. Over, they paid you your commission. Mm-hmm. And so if you have that artwork, if that really took off, that's something that you can save for your retirement pretty much. Yeah. And somebody's going to buy it for big bucks. Yeah, no, I thought they were just given very informative information. Just hearing those two talk, like I could go hear them talk about it, virtually anything. They are just so passionate about comics and just the industry and just – Everything they're doing and just resonates in that room. And like I said, I've had the pleasure of meeting them at Con for a few times. And it's still always that same energy, no matter what. My only question to you, though, is I missed the the lunchtime signing 
Is there any way that they can sign my books? <laughs> oh, my God. Examples of what not to do at a con. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that did happen. Oh, jeez. But overall, I mean, there were so many other panels. I mean, we can get into our Star Trek had a big weekend. The Expanse had one. Um, I know William Shatner was there talking. David yeah. Harbour was there. Yeah. I know Dre's was speaking the highly praises of him as well. Is there any other panels you want to deep dive into? Or I mean, maybe? I mean, I'm pretty good on deep diving into panels. Uh, I will say, just in my closing for New York Comic Con, uh, the experience like this was my first Comic Con. I understand the heavy hitters weren't there, but you know what? I didn't feel the void that much. Uh, the energy was great. The cosplaying was great. Uh, the vendors that were there and the the companies that were there put out their best foot forward, and I think a lot of them benefited. From not having the bigger uh, things there. I mean, you, you got to remember, Fumation had, like I said, three places, and Doom Patrol had a nice little uh, setup outside. Yep. And, and dude, was there a time that the Child's Play ice cream truck wasn't completely packed? Because I never saw a time where it wasn't completely packed. At the open of the show and at the close of the show. <laughs> yeah, yes. there you go. There you go. But outside of that, you know, that it, there was a time, and I know me and Pad talked about this. There was a time we, we met up at the uh, lounge waiting for uh, Ken to come back. And everything was kind of, it was, it was Saturday night. It was getting close to the end of the con day. And it was like, everything was dead. Like, that was the best time. He, I know you walked around oh, the yeah. eBay the, oh, yeah. lot. Yeah. I walked around the Dragon Ball Z thing again and, like, the Fumation stuff because there was, like, all weekend long they were, they were like, super busy unless yeah. you were there early. And we walked around them. But the one thing that was still busy was that damn Chucky oh, yeah. ice cream truck. Yeah, the Chucky, Chucky ice cream truck was always busy. Dragon Ball area was fairly busy. But then also the eBay one was fairly – and I really wanted to get there and see that because eBay, to my recollection – in the five years I've gone has never been to comic con, New York comic con, you know, Not so, to my knowledge. So I was like, Oh, I wonder what they're going to have. So Saturday night, I finally got the chance to go over there. Cause there was literally nobody there. And I just started walking around and seeing what was there. And they had a bunch of old, you know, the first comics, uh, Spider-Man made his appearance in ghost riders. First comic, you know, secret wars from the eighties. First issue was there. But then the one that really made my jaw drop was one, the unopened booster starter box from Pokemon cards from 1999 that the listing on eBay was for $18,500. I, my jaw dropped. And then the, the 1999 holographic graded 10 Charizard card they had there, which the listing on that one was $400,000. I, I'm telling you this, <laughs> this, I will never get that close to a $400,000 card ever again. Yeah. Yeah, that that card was just impressive. But the booths were great. I mean, the whatnot guys were like really clamoring it up. Speaking of online auctions, uh, they were doing a killing. And uh, I mean, I, like I said, overall the experience just walking. I was just happy. I was happy to be there. It was a really great experience. But I, I really think that uh, on a year where you didn't have the heavy hitters. It still was a lot of fun, and I think I didn't hear a lot of complaints from people other than some people being like, well, I wish they would have brought this or this or that. And it's just like, you know, what are you going to do? I think that they made the best of the situation they had, and I think the fans, for the most part, walked away happy. I didn't see anybody really uh, disgruntled. No. And uh, also big shout-outs to the fans who came and not only showed their vaccination cards but wore masks for the most part. I mean – you know, you have the occasional people who pull them down. They, they, they would tell you to pull it back up. But, you know, it's it was, it, for the most part, I got to say, a good 90% of the the, the, the fans definitely uh, were, were paying attention. And it was kind of nice. Absolutely. Especially with uh, that many people. Pad, final thoughts? Uh, definitely was a great con. I, I got to give props to the folks at the Javits and then Repop as well. For Let's face it, we are still in the throes of a pandemic. There is still, you know, stuff going on. But for them to take the steps they did and enact the policies that they did, 
made it very easy, made it very safe. I at no point felt like my health was ever threatened. It was very easy to get it in and out of there. It was a flawless system, no no issues. And I just want to thank them for putting it on because they could have very easily, with everything the way it was going leading up to this point, could have gone, you know what? Things just aren't going in the right direction we would like them to. We're going to put a pause on it and try again next year. But they didn't, and, and I'd say it worked out beautifully. I have to agree with you wholeheartedly. I thought Reed Pop and the Javits Center did an amazing job of having a safe and healthy environment that we could go to with every precaution they did in this time period we live in. We finally got back to an in-person con. We finally got to see a lot of our friends that we haven't gotten the chance to see in a long time. We ran into Joey from So Wizard. We ran into Dave from Superhero Speak. Jen and Dan from Game Vault Pod. They call this a movie, Stranger Damies. Fantastic people. We got to see Dre, which I haven't seen him in two years. Yeah. And Dre Driven was so excited for the Legends of Vox Machina panel. That was the energy we needed for Saturday. He came running in the door, and he was ready to go. And Tyler from 30 and Nerdy, like we said, we saw him as well. We saw a lot of our podcasts and friends, content creators. Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming was there in full Power Ranger mode. He was ready to go crazy, too. Yeah. It was just such a fun experience to be back in the New York groove, to quote the song. And just to have that moment to go down there, especially being pressed, we got a lot of access, a lot of things that we will definitely always remember. And I think the Ghostbusters Afterlife moment really puts the official cherry on the Sunday. That New York was the pop culture place to be this weekend. There was a ton of information going on. And even if Marvel and DC and the so-called heavy hitters didn't go there, where they left, you saw Funimation really step up and put on an amazing display the entire weekend you saw amazon prime really come through as well you saw a lot of people really step up and just embrace the moment that we're back at a live con and nothing and i mean nothing can replicate that for more information on new york comic-con make sure you're following all the six or seven podcast media and also check out newyorkcomiccon.com and they have all the information they need, especially for the digital panels that we didn't get a chance to check. But I believe they're running on the YouTube uh, channel as well. Uh, 30, 30 days. If you have digital access, it's available for 30 days. Thank just you. so everybody knows at home. Uh, so it's not even too late. You can actually purchase it now. And you can actually, you will get to see uh, all of the virtual only panels and most of the panels that took place live and in person. I only think there's a couple things cut out. And uh, they do cut out. Uh, like previews and stuff like that because obvious reasons they didn't want to get around the internet. But it is available for 30 days. Yes. And unfortunately, you can't get Ecto Cooler. No, no. I got I got, I got, got that twice, though. 16 bucks. Yes. 70 bucks, 8 bucks a pop. But so, so worth it, as well as New York Comic Con. So that all being said, we say thank you once again to Reed Pop and the Javits Center and everybody else that was behind New York Comic Con 2021. And definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod, hashtag 3FNpod. What is your thoughts? on New York Comic Con 2021. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do not adjust your dial. Or, well, your phone, your watch, or whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack, and I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming, especially after 30. Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture, and if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating, enlightening, and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 and Nerdy podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. 
Follow along each episode using the hashtag 30andnerdypod. And check out what all is going on at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Whether it's DC, Marvel, comics, or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now. Cheers to you, nerds. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast with Rich from 3FN in studio. And it's time to talk about DC Fandom. Yeah. Now, they were not at New York Comic Con for a reason this year, we believe, because this coming Saturday, October 16th, they are going to be having DC Fandom live on DCFandom.com, their YouTube channel and Twitch channel. It is a completely free event and obviously coming off the heels of last year's epic online event where they broke down every major media program they have coming out and gave us the first look at the Robert Pattinson Batman trailer. Yeah. There's a lot of hype going on with this. Rich, what was your feelings about Fandom last year? No, oh, Fandom last year was it was amazing. It was a lot it, it was a little more drawn out last year and they had a bunch of different sites. This this seems to be like more uh, concise if you will mm-hmm. uh but yeah it was it was okay i mean like at the end of the day i mean we all got excited because the the teaser trailer for the 25 percent done film yes and, and it was amazing let's be honest that, that's really what sent everybody home happy and there was a, a few other news is if you will uh if i remember if i remember correctly they also announced the shazam sequel officially yes. at, at fandom last yes, year i believe so and uh i do believe I, well, we already knew about Black Adam, so it, it, there was a couple other like announcements, but everything to me got shouted out or just got silenced out by the teaser trailer for the Batman. Yeah, that, that was the official mic drop moment that that made everybody stop what they were doing on social media and, and go watch it, and it definitely lived up to the hype and gave us more excitement for the movie coming out next year. Pad, what was your thoughts on Fandom? Uh, Fandom last year was definitely a very well put together event and definitely worth the hype it lived up to. You know, it was a little confusing at first because first it was like all one day and then it was two days. And like Rich said, there was multiple sites. Um, but last year, coming off of the heels of, you know, San Diego Comic-Con and what they tried to put together, which wasn't the best foot forward, but they were the first one out the gate. So, hey, you know, you got to stumble before you can run. Yeah, come some slack. You know, um Fandom definitely came in and was like, hey, listen, here's how you do an online event, you know, and it definitely came through, you know, made a lot of hype and, and was very exciting. So I'm I'm, exci- I'm interested to see if it can live up to what they did the first year, you know, maybe even exceed it. I don't know. We'll see. Well, that's going to be the big X factor, I think. Let's just be honest. Of course, it's going to live kind of up to it because... This is, uh, I mean, we're going to go into details about the event, but this is basically, uh, before we go into details, it's going to be a four-hour event that's just a prequel to the Batman trailer. Yeah. That, that's all it is. Pretty much. We know they're going to drop the first official trailer there, and mm-hmm. if they don't, they fail. That's that's the bottom line. DC pulls a DC if they don't show the Batman trailer at Fandom. Well, that's, I, that's, all, that's all they have. I agree with you. I think that they have to, because if they're not coming with it, and we do have the little preview of what they're announcing that is coming. DC skipped an online, an in-person event for an online event. And I know that this is going to have kind of the same feels as, of Netflix to dumb. But if they don't come and deliver on this. I, I just want to point this out. And I, I really mean this with, with all due respect to DC. Um, there, it reminds me of a, a certain wrestler. I think his name was, uh, what's his name? Randy Orton. Uh. Stupid, stupid, stupid. And I bet you right now there's a, 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 a person in charge over there at DC. It's like, oh, we did this. And then watch that Ghostbusters reaction. 
because you know it's been shared around the internet enough. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and 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 hearing now people coming out talking about it, and we're like, man, that could have been us with the Batman trailer, but no, we're gonna do it for free on Fandom and not really, you know, monetize us at all. It's a big X factor, like I say, that they have to really <laughs> deliver this because when you pass on an event like a New York Comic Con, I think there's a lot of pressure on you to deliver. Now, granted. They have a, a heavy slate of stuff coming that they've announced. They're keeping a lot of stuff close to the vest, too. But for them, if you're going to miss an in-person event, especially the first one since we've been living in the pandemic era. First major one. First major one. Thank you, Pat. You really got to come with something. And as Pat's going to be reading off the lineup of what's coming, is it really going to be delivering and measuring up? Like, what's our vibe off this? Yeah, so uh, reading off of a list courtesy of comicbook.com, I'm not going to go through everything because Let's face it, it's a real small scroll bar. You know, we'd be here all day, but this is some of the major stuff. Uh, and this is in alphabetical order, so I'm not slighting any franchise or any character or anything like that. Uh, first one they got on the list is Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Of course, this is the sequel to 2018's uh, Aquaman film, you know, and it began filming earlier this summer. Uh, so maybe we'll get some behind-the-scenes look type of action. Uh, James Wan is returning to direct. Uh, you do have Jason Momoa returning as Aquaman, Patrick Wilson as Orm, Yahya uh, Abdul-Mateen II as Black Manta, uh, Amber Heard as Mera, and then you've got Game of Thrones alum Pailu Azbayek uh, has also joined the cast in an unknown role. What's your feelings on Aquaman 2, Rich? I mean, I liked Aquaman 1. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I've, I'm still I'm still upset that they're not doing uh, the Black Manta uh, spinoff. Right. Because they, they, they ditched that. Although after seeing uh, Malignant... Yeah, I'm not trusting James Wan anymore either. So, I'm I'm a little yeah. I'm a little on the fence about this one. Um, I, I think it'll I, it should be fine. Let's put it that way. But like I said, after Malignant, I'm I'm James Wan. The 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 luster might be gone. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Finally, I feel like uh, <laughs> he's done something that wasn't so great. So let's see how he can bounce back. Yeah, I think this one's going to be interesting. I think the success of the first one really took people off guard, but you took a lot from the Aquaman mythos and put that in that movie. Mm-hmm. Like, what else would you have for a sequel unless it's all him versus Black Manta? Also, dare I say, them with this stance of leaning into the controversy there with Amber Heard a little bit. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, <laughs> there's a good portion of the fan base that uh, wanted her gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hey, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. I'm not. I'm not here to judge what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just saying that between the fact of uh, James Wan's last movie was not the greatest, and uh, the Amber Heard controversy, I don't know. They're they're already getting a stack deck against them. And of course, let's let's be honest. The flap that was Wonder Woman eighty four. And, yeah. and sequels for movies are hard to do. Yeah, that's the whole point, especially with Aquaman too. Who, let's face it, not exactly a. M- top tier popular hero i was gonna say do you do you really think about this if it wasn't for venom let there be carnage wonder woman 84 would be the worst superhero movie in the pandemic it's not wrong wow i did not think about that but you're right until though. you just until i just put it in that perspective it's yeah not wrong and I, I, I that's 100 get at me if you don't believe that that's true no that's facts and i mean even black widow was better because i was more i was more entertained by black widow than i was Wonder Woman 84. Yeah, I, I agree so with you on that. I agree with you there. Going into a big sequel, and mind you, I was loving the Wonder Woman. I loved the first Wonder Woman movie. I'm just saying, DC, DC is a lot of things. Yeah. So I, I'm going to be very leery of this, but I can't wait to hear the news. I would like to hear what it's about. Um, I would love to say that you can't expect a teaser, but we didn't expect a teaser from the Batman last year. So you true. never know. They could bring a throw a teaser out at us and get you even more hyped about it. So we'll find out. 
That's true. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see it. Like I said, sequels are, are always hard to do. You know, can you capture the fun that was the first one? You know, can you build off of it? So I'm interested to see what they got. You know, I'll reserve judgment until I see the movie. But I'm hoping we see something. Maybe maybe if it's not even behind the scenes, maybe like a small teaser trailer thing of like what you got together. Who knows? I'd be excited to see that. Yeah. Next up. Uh, next up is, of course, The Batman. Of course, it's directed by Matt Reeves. Uh, broke the internet with the first trailer last year, as we mentioned. Uh, and it is confirmed that they will be bringing a second trailer to this year's proceedings. And, of course, if you forget, it is co-written and directed by Matt Reeves. Uh, Robert Pattinson will don the cowl as Batman. Colin Farrell is uh, donning the suit, I guess you could say, as Penguin. Paul Dano is the Riddler. Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman. Uh, John Turturro as Carmine Falcone. Peter Skarsgård as uh, Gil Coulson. Jamie Lawson as Bella Real, Barry Cogan as Officer Stanley Merkel, and Andy Serkis as Aunt Alfred Pennyworth. This is what I'm here for. This is the only reason I'm tuning in. I'm not even joking. Like, yeah. This is the literal. I've seen some of the other stuff on the list, and we're going to go over more of it. But this is the reason to tune into it to uh, watch this because I feel like this is the moment I'm waiting for because uh, what is it? March can't get here soon enough. Mm-hmm. No, Did yeah. This March yeah. still slated for March. Yeah. Pad, your thoughts? Uh, definitely excited for this. Obviously, the first trailer was incredible, but we really didn't get a whole lot to go off of what the plot's going to be. I don't want the full plot spoiled, but just give me give me a little tidbits. You know, As, you know, we'll get to it in the next segment. But you think about the Bond trailers that were coming out for the entire like two years it was supposed to come out. All we really got was stuff from the opening part of the movie. Like if you go about that route with it, I'm all right with that. As soon as I hear the first Nirvana chord, I'm in. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's all I gotta say about this. I'm, sign me up. This is I agree with Rich. This is what I'm here for. I just hope for their sake they don't kick off with this at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And I'm gonna. I'm, here's the other thing I want to say. I do not want to see more Paul Dano. I agree with you. I, that is the one mystery. thing I do not want to see. Like they did a good job of shadowing it, and I want to keep it that way. Because I think that is the best ace up their sleeve, and I yeah. hope they don't mess that up. Because the fact that they've done something very unique and interesting with the Riddler is the best thing that you can keep in your back pocket right now, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I have that fear. I have the fear that it's going to be all Riddler all the time in this trailer. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, please don't blow that. Because yeah. I'm with Pat. Don't give me too much. Give me just a little piece. And don't give me much more because I want to be in the dark as much as I can about that because I'm already intrigued. Do not ruin the intrigue. The only thing I want to see from the Riddler in this is do a little thing at the end, you know, where you can have it, you know, fade to black and then just hear him and doing his Riddler voice. Riddle me this and then show the date. And that's all you need to do. I'm good with that. See, I'm good with something like that. But like I said, I just have this fear that they're going to go all Riddler all the time. And you're just going to be like, no, leave it be. Let it be intriguing. Yeah. Uh, next up, for, uh, I've got to mention this because this should be amazing. Batman Cape Crusader. This is the new HBO Max animated series that was announced earlier this year. Uh, it, involved in this is some dude named Bruce Tim. Who if you, Ooh. So if you've never heard that name, he was involved with Batman the Animated Series. Also involved is director and producer J.J. Abrams. Also, Matt Reeves, who is directing the Batman. So, not really much known about this, but you got Bruce Tim, J.J. Abrams, and Matt Reeves involved. Yo, I'm in. I'm a huge Batman fan. I have a Batman tattoo on my leg. So uh, anything Batman, of course, I'm here for. I'm I'm absolutely here for this one as well. Uh, not as excited for it as the Batman trailer, but I am still super stoked to find out because I, hopefully they give us a little more. I just want, I don't want to even, and, and in this case, I don't want to know a ton. I just want to know what it's going to be. Oh, yeah. Like, just give me the basic synopsis yeah. and let it run. Don't give me too much, but uh, I just want to know what the synopsis is going to be. I'm here for it. 
No, you got yeah. you got those heavy hitters behind it. Sign Absolutely. Me up. Uh, next up, we got Black Adam. Of course, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. You know the long-awaited uh, appearance in the DC universe. Uh, it'll be the origin story behind the antihero. Uh, it'll also feature uh, you know the Justice Society of America. Uh, the film is directed by uh, Jean Colette Sarah, also and also Aldous Hodge as Hawkman. Noah Centino as Adam Smasher, Quintessa Swindell as Cyclone, uh, Sarah Sahai as uh, Adriana Tomas, and Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. Uh, listen, uh, it's been confirmed that he's going to be Black Adam for like since I've been in diapers, mm. it feels like. <laughs> I am super excited for this. I believe they're already filming, if not done filming. I think they're done. The Rock is so busy these damn days, it's hard to keep track. I'm hoping to see something of this film because we've had teases of him, teases of him in the suit and teases of him with the shaved head. I want to see the full goddamn thing, please. I'm with you there, but uh, I, I'm going to take this step further. I I think he's the reason they weren't at New York Comic Con. Mm. I think he didn't want to get uh, upstanded by John Cena. Ooh, <laughs> that's right. Ooh. Remember, Dan Housen even had a picture with John Cena. This is true. So I just want to throw that out there. But uh, no, no, in all seriousness, yeah, I think we've been just, I like, it has felt like forever since this announcement. It felt like for, it seems like forever since the announcement that they were filming. Uh, this is, has to be done. Give me a trailer or something. At this point in juncture, I'm going to be honest with you, with Black Adam, I'm at the uh, shit or get off the pot level with Black Adam. Yeah. Give me something or just forget about it at this point, which I think is a really bad place to be. And I don't think I'm the only one that's there. No, I'm with you there. I mean, I just want to see at least a teaser trailer, him in costume. That's all I'm asking for. I don't, I don't, I don't need to that. see more. Like, if I see the JSA, I'll mark out because I, I'm a JSA fan, but I don't need it for this trailer. Mm-hmm. I just need, like, a good 30 seconds and him coming out, maybe a bowl of lightning, and there he is. Boom, done. And, a, and I need, like, the concrete date now because I know that there's a tentative one, but that's been pushed back, like, twice. Yeah. yeah. So I need the concrete date and, and that, and that's what you need to announce. And if not, you know what? Mm. And I would, you know what? Do it early. What are you? What are you waiting for? If it's done, what are you waiting for? Like seriously, I think it's just a matter of scheduling uh, with his schedule. Could be to, for promotions and such. Could be because yeah, I believe it's under his company too. If I'm uh, yeah, his production company. The Seven bucks one. Yeah, I believe so. Strike while the iron's hot, man. I believe so. I agree. And I think another movie that needs to strike while it's hot, lightning pun intended, is the Flash. Yeah. Now we have heard about this movie for how long now? Like. 20 years. And this is like the Spider-Man, No Way Home, everybody that has ever been made into a DC product is in this movie. I'm just saying I'm reading off of the Wikipedia page for this film, uh, and after you get the, the blurb about, you know, it's based on, developed by, yada, yada, yada. Quote, development of a film on The Flash began in by 2004. Yeah. So 2004, we're sitting here in 2021, do the math. Yeah, I'm gonna just go on there. This is uh, there's a there's a, a, a series on on Shutter, the horror uh, streaming service, mm-hmm. and it's called Curse Films. There you go. Yeah, I'm this with, is it. This is the Curse Film. Well, there's been so much re- rewriting and recasting and everything under the sun about this. I remember Grant Morrison was tagged to this project at one point. Yeah, I remember that. That is now we've seen the teaser art. We've seen the logo. We know they're filming. We know that it's it's filming. We know it's allegedly connected with Flashpoint. Until I see a trailer, I'm not buying anything. I think right now there's so much involved with it that for this trailer to really hit, I got to see Michael Keaton as as Batman. Yeah, I need to see that in this film. Allegedly, the suit still fits. Yep. And if we see Ben Affleck in this too, because allegedly he's tagged with this as well. That's all I really want to see. Like, if you're going to try doing your own Flashpoint slash Crisis on Infinite Earths movie style, 
okay, give me something that I will say, okay, this movie has been in purgatory for how long? We're now in development. Yeah. There's footage filmed. Is this really worth the hype? I feel like you have to show something, even if it's akin to like what they did with uh, the Batman last year where they said only 25% of the movie is filmed. Listen, 25% of that movie was filmed, and you still got together a couple minutes, like it was a minute and a half, two-minute trailer. This movie is filming. You can put something together because I think this is, again, one of those movies that you need to show something just so we all can believe, okay, this is actually happening, and I'm not just having like this weird hallucination of these set photos. Yeah. By the way, how DC is this Flash movie in this situation? So let me take you guys back to a little while ago. Remember when uh, uh, Batman v Superman first came out? Yes. Mm-hmm. What came out a month before it? Marvel. Oh, yeah. Civil War. Civil War. So at the crux of this story, it's about two superheroes fighting each other, right? Yeah. In both movies. Yeah. And, of course, Marvel did it better. Here we go again because they've waited so long on The Flash that now they're doing Flashpoint, which is kind of like the multiverse, correct? Mm Kind of. And we're going to get Spider-Man No Way Home in December. So once again, no matter when this movie comes out, it's going to be compared because of that. To the Spider-Man film, and let's be honest, Marvel always does it better. And they could have been way ahead of the curve and not get gotten compared in uh, hindsight to it. So it's, yeah. it's kind of it's it's kind of like one of those let's botch shit until we can't botch it no more. And that's what I expect from DC, unfortunately. Well, like you touched upon, I mean, their track record is not exactly a hundred, no. and we need to see something as a fan base to really justify the delays in this film because of Flash. Listen. We've always said the TV show until these most recent seasons was the probably the best DC adaptation on media. Yeah. True. Yeah. And obviously going into their eighth season, the Flash, we're kind of really waiting to see what's going to happen here. I believe they're going to have something to do with fandom as well for the show. Uh, but for the movie, listen, there's been so much je ne sais quoi, if we will. I mean, I've got some hope for the movie, and maybe this is just fool's hope, but, you know, directing it, you've got a gentleman by the name of Andy Muschietti, uh, who directed both of the most recent It films, Mm -hmm. you know, and then also writing the film is a uh, woman by the name of Christina Hodson, who did write the Birds of Prey film, which was pretty good in and of itself. But I I look at this and going, you know, I kind of look at it as the Harrison Ford returning to Star Wars kind of method, where I never thought if they ever did another Star Wars film in the right timeline you know, that Harrison Ford would ever come back to Star Wars, and yet they did. Mm -hmm. The fact that they got Michael Keaton to come back and don the cowl again, and you can't tell me it's out of some, like, oh, nostalgia trip, like, oh, you know what, I want to do it one more time. But, like, no, they went to him, they pitched it to him hard, and he read the whole script and went, no, this is really cool, I want to do this. The fact that they got Ben Affleck, whose opinion on playing the role and donning the cowl is very well documented about how he feels and how he felt during his time as Batman. So the fact that they got those two guys to come back, and Affleck has even been in articles, you know, the last week or so saying that it, it really reinvigorated him playing the role again, you know, with in the Flash and everything, I've got some optimistic hope that it won't suck. Well, that's all you can have. At this stage. Also, Tamora Morrison is in the goddamn movie. Boba Fett himself. You know, yeah. Django Fett, Boba Fett himself uh, playing Tom Curry. Like, yo, give it to me. Well, I'm, I'm not dis- disagreeing that they have great things, but it's just DC. By the way, what should what, what should worry you is not that Muschietti's directing. It should worry you that he's the fourth director attached to this project. Yeah. True. Which, that's the problem. I, I mean, maybe he... Uh, if anybody's going to make a great movie, it's going to be him. Mm-hmm. Uh, because his track record is pretty damn good. Uh, especially in the horror realm. 
I understand this is not the horror realm, but superheroes horror, it's very close. It's very close. So, and like I say, that's going to be the one that I think is going to have more eyes questioning everything going on with it sure. because the unfortunate mystique of the film. We'll say the fact that you've been in development for like going on 20 on 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the only other film projects we know that have been announced is going to be the Legion of Super Pets. That's the animated one with all the voices. Oh yeah. That's a crazy cast. Yeah. Which I mean, the casting on that is just out of control. And just the fact that we have a league, a league of super pets. I was going to say, I'm in for that. Yeah. It's got the greatest voice. Well, here's the problem. That is going to be a super expensive budget with everybody that they have in that voice acting. Because I know Kevin Hart is in it. Mm-hmm. The Rock is in it. Uh, there, there's a ton. Of, I'm, I know that Pad's looking it up now. That there is a ton of people attached to this movie. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if it was super smart. Because here's what I'm saying. There's a lot of great voice actors out there, and you could have gone at a fraction of the budget, and it's if the movie was good, it would still be great. And DC Animated is usually top-notch. Oh, yes. I'm going to throw that out there. So the fact that they inflated the budget, I don't know, but I'm excited to see this because of the budget. All right, so uh, in no particular order, you've got Keanu Reeves, uh, Dwayne Johnson, voice in crypto, John Krasinski, Kate McKinnon, Kevin Hart, Diego Luna, Jamila Jamil, uh, let's see anybody else recognize because I'm, I'm just on the top cast list here. Uh, no, Diego Luna, you got Vanessa Bayer, uh, Mark uh, Maron as Lex Luthor, uh, Natasha Leone. You know, so there are definitely some heavy hitter names in this, just in, in Keanu Reeves and Dwayne Johnson alone. Well, I think oh, yeah. I think if you're going to try to do the Justice League of Animation, I mean, you got to go with for heavy hitters. I get what you're saying though about the budget. I mean, that's a very expensive voice acting class right there. Yeah, whereas whereas you could have gone with like experienced voice actors and gone. Yeah, fraction, fraction, and and just had the rock star. Yeah, because I mean that's that's pretty much everybody cares. And Kevin Hart, I would have done Kevin Hart too. Oh yeah. And the reason because if you you have the rock, you have to have Kevin Hart. I'm curious uh, to see what Kevin Hart is going to play in the Black Adam movie because if I think it's a big mistake if he's not in the movie. <laughs> oh, he's because you, be in. you have to have that chemistry no matter what. Wherever the rock goes, we need to see. By the way, uh, I'm going to make it now. I don't care if DC, Marvel, uh, Warner Brothers, Sony, whoever. Get on making me the twins remake with oh, with with, with, the, with uh, the Rock and Kevin Hart. Uh, Get uh, on it, Hollywood. I'm there for it. I am definitely there for it. The other one, movie news, I and mean, we don't have a lot of information. We'll we'll probably see a trailer for it, is the Shazam sequel, Fury of the Gods. Yeah. So we know that that is uh, filming right now. If it's, if it's not already done, which and, is weird because it's not slated to come out. If correct me if I'm wrong, until the end of 2022, beginning of 2023. Yeah, it's kind of on the. It's, it's done filming. Oh, it is done filming. Okay. Yeah, uh, according to CinemaBlend.com, in an article dated August 31st, mm. uh, Shazam 2 has wrapped filming. See, you know that one really flew under the radar. Like we did not hear anything coming out of that. I enjoyed the first one. I, I yeah, love the first one. I enjoyed the first one. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed the first one. The first one's just fun. Like I think if anybody went there with any serious expectation, you'd never read Shazam before. So you kind of need to lower the bar and just enjoy being at the theater. Like, not everything needs to be Snyderverse. No. Which I'm curious if we're going to see anything. I have not heard that we're getting anything Snyderverse. No. Like a Justice League re- retrospective no. at Fandom yet. So, but we'll have to see. I, I can imagine the uh, Snyder faith will be on Twitter, though, that uh, Saturday, though. They never fail to. Oh, no, I'm no, sure. No, dude, they... the best part about that is they're going to be crapping all over everything uh-huh yeah. and that's the problem that dc created just by not uh, whoever's in charge of their pr should have been fired a long time ago uh you don't say never you just say oh we, maybe we'll work it out. it's not in the cards right now but we're working on it yeah or something like that instead you just pissed off the internet and uh trust me 
You'll see them on Twitter. Don't worry. Oh, they'll be Don't on. Worry. They'll be on full force this week on social. Definitely. Uh, TV show wise, you're probably going to see a little more updates. I know Batwoman is coming back this week. I was actually going to say that for one shots. Uh, so definitely see some hype for the new season coming out. I'm definitely. I'm really going to try checking that out. I definitely liked how the last season ended. Yeah. So I definitely want to see what they're bringing for uh, Poison Ivy. I believe is going to be yes. in the season. So yes. I cannot wait to check that Superman out. Superman and Lois. Yep, Superman and Lois. So we'll probably get a teaser for season two. You know, we're big fans here at the ODPH for that show. And obviously, Supergirl will be winding down on uh, November 9th will be the last episode. So probably we might get that retrospective that we thought we were going to get at New York Comic Con, but we'll get it here with the cast. Could be. So I can imagine that. And obviously, everything coming streaming-wise, Doom Patrol has been on fire since its return. Titans is Titans. And then obviously, the biggest show coming to HBO Max, I think, is John Cena's Peacemaker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we'll probably see maybe a little more uh, footage from that show coming. Yeah. I, I would imagine. I mean, you can't see him, but you'll see some about the show. Yeah, exactly. Well played. And I imagine we're going to see, just to wrap it up with, we will see some video game news. Probably. I believe that if I read correctly, Ed Boon will be in attendance. Uh-huh. And if you know who he is connected to. Mortal Kombat. Give Another me Realm it. Studios. But here's the thing. The best part about that is we already know Injustice 3 is coming. So, yes. Uh, that that one, I, I, don't under, I don't understand why they didn't keep that one under wraps until Fandom. That was the weird one. I don't know. I mean, unless they're, unless they're going to be doing something for the animated movie, I would love it, though, if we have a video game release date yes. to follow up. Like, we, we do the trailer, and then, boom, here's when the game's coming. You know what? You, know what, you get real sneaky, sneaky. You do the, you do the trailer for the animated movie. Because we know that's coming. Mm. Uh, you do or at least a teaser or something. And then you just sneak the uh, video game in after. Just to be kind of oh, funny. Oh, one more thing, by the way. Yeah, I'm down yeah. for it. Give me that. Because, uh, because, like I said, we know it's coming because, of course, somehow they leaked that early instead of holding that close to the vest for well, that, the uh, con. Well, that was an announcement, God, I want to say, before we did live stream for The Cure mm-hmm. the first time. So, like, they said it, it was coming. It just kept getting pushback, pushback, Yeah, but they also, they also leaked it uh, this, what is it, two weeks ago now? Something when the like cast, that. when the cast, uh, when the uh, opening character list came out. Mm. They basically had the opening character list came out. And it was really weird because you could tell, it was one of those times where it was a leak that was from them. Yeah. So, like, it was quote unquote leaked but it came from them and i think it was the first batch of dlc in the in the initial characters that'll be part of the game and i'm like why didn't you just keep that till fandom because you could have just shown the the pictures you didn't have to show the video and yeah. i know you have to have mock-ups for the the characters already mm-hmm. so you could have just shown some of those which we may still get to see don't get me wrong but that's that's all i'm saying there's gonna be so much content going on this weekend i guess i would say get ready if you're a dc fan we gave you our picks. Final thoughts on fandom before we wrap up? Um, I'm going to be tuning in mostly off the hype for the Batman trailer that we know we're going to get. And if they fail us, then, you know, we riot. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what they're going to do with some of the other stuff. I'm intrigued to see anything that they might show for the Peacemaker show. We know that's right around the corner. And, of course, anything in Justice I'm, I'm there for. And I also want to know about this uh, animated Batman show coming to HBO Max. So, like, there's a few things that I'm really on, the, and everything else is kind of like, eh, it's there, and I'll check it out. But it's, uh, it's kind of short because it's, what, four hours, you said? It's four hours. So it's kind of short. But, uh, you know, hey, I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, like I say, it's going to be in the same vein of Netflix to dumb. Like, that was moving very quickly, yeah. so that's a good thing about it. But, yeah, it just seems, it feels very short. Pat, what you got? Uh, I'm going to be busy all weekend, so I won't be able to tune in for much of it, but I'll be uh, excited to see the clips and stuff online. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, I'm going to be jumping in a little late, but I am excited to see the new Batman trailer. 
I'm hoping we see some more streaming news. In fact, I would love to see something about the Green Lantern show that's supposed to be coming to HBO Max. I know that we've had at least one casting, but we haven't had a lot. So I kind of want to see some more about that. And maybe some of the other shows that are going to be coming out, too, on the CW. Uh, you know, like I said, Superman and Lois, I hope we get a season two trailer. And then, obviously, give me my injustice and give it, give it to me now. I need to see this. More information on DC Fandom. DCFandom.com. We gave you our takes. Now we want to hear yours. Hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPHPod. And hashtag 3FNPod. Definitely talk to Rich about this as well. What is your thoughts going into DC Fandom 2021? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. My name is JT. What's up, everyone? I'm Darren. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Josh. Hey, guys. I'm Christian. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Dominic, and we're the East Coast Avengers. We're a group of five friends who get together weekly and talk about everything that's going on in the nerd universe. Whether you're a fan of Marvel, DC, Star Wars, video games, comics, or anything else nerdy that you can think of, we're the podcast for you. You can find us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever streaming platform you use to listen to your favorite podcasts on. You can also catch us on our YouTube channel where we release tons of content such as vlogs, unboxings, TV and movie recaps, and trailer reactions. So if those things sound good to you, then check out the East Coast Avengers podcast. We hope you enjoy. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast with Rich from 3FN in the house. And not only did we go tour New York City and New York Comic Con this weekend, but we also had to go hit the movie theaters and check out a movie that Pat has had circled on the calendar for weeks, same Uh as Rich. And it was the swan song to Daniel Craig as Bond, James Bond. Uh Uh-huh. So we all went to go check out No Time to Die. Vodka martinis not included. Yes. So we are going to be talking some spoilers on the latest James Bond film. So we have given you that fair warning after we get done with the countdown. We go deep diving. So you have been warned. Pause where you need to because here we go in three, two, one. Pad. What did you think? Uh, I thought it was a very good film. It was a very good way to end Bond, uh, Daniel Craig's run as Bond. You know, personally, my favorite James Bond, uh, you know, and probably the most grounded of the Bond franchise. Uh, they definitely took some risks, and I was and I was happy that they took those risks because it wasn't your stereotypical Bond movie. Uh, but I thought it paid out very well, and it was a very good swan song. Rich, your thoughts? I was very impressed with the movie. It is. Uh, it was definitely one of my uh, one of the better Bond films in my estimate. Uh, I think that uh, there was a lot of cool things it did, and they. I thought that the way that they ended the movie was super ballsy. Mm-hmm. That, that was my that was my uh, initial take there. So I love this movie. It's one of my favorites. Uh, just throwing it out there. Well, this movie definitely lived up to the hype, in my opinion. That we knew with Daniel Craig going into this role, we weren't sure what we were going to get because obviously to bring him back after being one of the more longer running James Bonds in the franchise, we had a lot of high expectations and mm-hmm. obviously he has been, is it fair to say he's been polarizing in the role? Uh, to a certain degree, you know, definitely from the outset that, you know, when he was first cast, I remember there being headlines of like, Oh my God, the new bond actor is blonde and people mm-hmm. just absolutely losing their shit to, Loving it and with Casino Royale to the very polarizing Quantum of Solace to loving the shit out of Skyfall and, and praising the hell out of that to the point where, 
you know, Adele, who sang the theme for Skyfall, ended up on the uh, Oscars mm-hmm. sing, singing the singing the song, which doesn't happen all that often. Um, to the polarizing specter, to now you have this. So yeah, no, it's definitely been polarizing. It definitely has, and I think that he's ran with it. I've always enjoyed him being Bond. I've yeah. never had an issue with it. Like I say, coming off the heels of Pierce Brosnan, we weren't really sure what to get, and obviously his first time being in Casino Royale. Yep. Definitely set the bar pretty high, and we've had some four great films after that. So, obviously, walking into this one and kind of seeing how they were going to wrap this up for him was the big X factor. Obviously, with everything going on, the film had been pushed back. We've seen a lot of trailers. But I know you two are the big Bond fans in the room. So, yeah. Pat, why don't you walk us through this here? Yeah, so the interesting thing with this film and kind of this run of Bond films is it's been unlike any other run for any of the other actors, you know, Sean Connery, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Brosnan, and even the one film George Lazenby did, just because while there have always been some, some large movies to come out during those runs, you know, I especially think of Star Wars during Roger Moore's run, you know, you know, movies in the 80s and 90s and everything else, None of them have ever had to deal with kind of the juggernaut that cinematic universes have become, mm-hmm. specifically with the Marvel films and the DC films and, and everything else. You know, the fact that you've had those films come out and, and kind of dominate our, our culture and our life for for the Bond films to come out and still kind of have a cohesive interweaving story, which is something, again, they really haven't done before in, in the Bond films. I think they handled it very well. You know, and I think they did it very well. And, and I think it was very interesting to see this movie just because it took, you know, it's been six years since we saw the last film, Spectre. It spent six years in the film. Bond has taken some time away. You know, he, you know, after we saw him at the end of Spectre, you know, leaving Blofeld to, to live and going, leaving with his uh, love interest, you know, uh, Madeline. You know, it, it was very, it was very good uh, start to the film. Rich? Yeah, I thought that it started off pretty well. I mean, it, 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 let's be honest. This movie was the most, probably one of the most action-packed action flicks you'll ever see. Yes. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not a Bond fan, I would say still go see this movie because as an action movie alone, this is just nonstop action. But it it still tells a story. It tells a good story. Um, I heard somebody tell me that they thought the story was predictable, and I'm like, that's fine. It's a Bond film. It's yeah. supposed to be predictable. Yeah. Uh, but I, I guarantee nobody saw the end coming. Uh, but no. at the, at the, you know, you, you think you're going to get the happy ending and you get the not so happy ending, if you will. Uh, but you know, I just want to, I, I just think overall, if I took anything away from this film, I think it was a really good, a really great to hell with good, really great blend of some comedy. Mm-hmm. So a lot of great action. And I mean, there, I don't know if there was a throwaway action scene in this film. I felt no. like every action scene I watched in this movie was perfect. No, they, they which def- is weird. Yeah. They definitely broke the mold just because bond films, especially the Daniel Craig run are really known for the, oh, the opening action sequence. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christ his his opening sequence in Casino Royale, you know, where after you get the black and white version to the run through from the, the animal fighting ring, it was like a ferret and a, and a, a cobra snake or something mm-hmm. you know, running through the construction site and the parkour and all, you know, breaking away from that a little bit too. You definitely had a blend of like the groundedness of Bond, but then there were also some kind of one-liners that I remember back from like the Roger Moore or Sean Connery days. I'm like, oh, there it is. There's, there's some comedy we're all used to. 
you know, but then, and then, like I mentioned, just taking the risks they did. Oh, they took a ton Yo. of risks in this movie. But it, I, I will say, like, like when you're saying the opening was a was for a Bond film, especially a Daniel Craig Bond film, very cold open, uh-huh. a very very mean spirited open too. Yeah. Like it wasn't like the nice. It wasn't. It wasn't like the big action sequence you're expecting. No. It, it's kind of like a soft mystery opening that you're like, wait, what the? And I remember sitting there thinking, what the hell is going on? And I didn't mean that in a bad way. I just I had no idea what was going on. Think about it, you have a young girl. And the mother's murdered yeah. in front of her. Like you're like, wow, they're going dark early. You know, like it's, oh, yeah. it's a really, a really, really dark and stalking film in the beginning. And then you finally, uh, you know, you finally kick into the action sequence. And I love how they did it. And you, you, as you know, they don't. They, I love how they opened. Of course, with the classic Bond open. Finally, mm-hmm. first, first, yeah. first film in Daniel Craig's run that they finally did that. Yes, because that's something fans, myself included, have wanted to see. So they open with the classic Bond open. And then they go to the darker thing, and then we get to a little bit of little, little story, but then into the first major action beat, and then after that, you finally get the actual open to the film, and it was very Daniel Craig run Bond open. Oh yes. yeah, yeah, the action sequence, you know, driving through the town. I don't think they ever said where they were, but you know, going through that, and and this is where I mentioned in the last segment. I've got to give credit to the folks over at MGM and everyone involved with the movie. Every trailer we saw was always the same action sequences, so I figured that was pretty late on in the movie, like middle third, you know, latter third of the movie. No, that's in the goddamn opening of the movie. Like, we really didn't see... We saw bits and glimpses, but it wasn't anything to really diverge or figure out or piece together where it was or when it was taking place. No, the most of the action sequences we saw are in the goddamn opening. I was going to say, I think most of the trailer we saw was in the opening. Yeah, the yeah most were of the opening. trailer was there. Were, there, there was a couple glimpses. scenes, of, uh, but, but nothing you could put out there. But everything happened in the beginning of the film yeah. from the trailers. I will say this also with the actual opening, the opening credits of the, the film. Uh, I, I did enjoy the Billie Eilish song. Yeah. yeah. went along with it. Uh, very different style for her. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Uh, so kudos to her as well. Uh, but yeah, the movie kicks right in. And, and I, I really, I, I did not know where it was going to go. No. Like you could, you could, once again, you could piece together the major beats. Like obviously the little girl is obviously now, yeah. you know. Well, yeah, and, and, the, and the mother, the mother's speaking French. But she says Madeline. Yeah. And, and you go, oh, okay, this is Leah Sado's character as a girl. Oh, we're finding out what happened to her mother as a kid. And, and obviously you see the mask and you, you know it's Rami Malek's character. And you're like, oh, okay, this is kind of like the soft introduction of the, yeah. of the villain. You know, but it was a very it was very good. And, and the action sequence, one of the best, better ones they've done. Christ, oh, yeah. Christ, that motorcycle going up the side of the whatever the hell it was and jumping the, the funeral line. Holy shit. Everything they did in Matera, Italy there okay. was out of control. And, I mean, it was what you wanted to hit the ground running with because you came in with, like you touched upon, the soft open with Remy Malek, Seraphin, hunting down young Madeline's uh, family there. And then you have the whole sequence about being underwater under ice and kind of really sets a tone later that you get a payoff with. Mm-hmm. But then once we kind of speed up to go from Altera to when... Now Bond is getting tracked down by Felix Leader. Yep. Uh, that was awesome stuff. He, oh, Jamaica, yeah. five years. We jump five years. Yeah, they do a lot of five jumping years. around, too. And five years later, we get we get it, we get get uh, James Bond in Jamaica. Come on. Yes. That was course, awesome. Of course, that's where the author Ian Fleming is from. So a lot of times you'll see the Bond films return to Jamaica. Yeah, but it was awesome to see it in this case. Bond's living his best life in Jamaica, but then he gets uh, recruited by the CIA. That's right. I didn't say it wrong. It was the CIA. Yes. The CIA needs help, and they know he's the only guy who can help. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright reprises his role as Felix. So and, good. And he's yeah. it, like, I, I think it's just, he goes very under the radar how good he is in this. Yeah, he really does. And then we get introduced to the new 007. Yeah. Not Bond, just 007. 
and uh, I, the banter between the, those two is amazing. No, that was really good. And yeah. I love I love the fact that he was like, "What what double O are you?" And she's like, "Double O seven. Doesn't that make you mad?" He's just like, "No, just a number." It, 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 he said that, but you could tell oh, from yeah. the movie it bugged the oh, well, piss out of him. Well, yeah, but it, it bugs her too because remember when they reinstate him. And we're jumping ahead a little. Oh, they reinstate yeah. him, and they're like, "Oh, he's back as a double O." And she's like, "What? What number? Double, double O? What? Double what, O? Double o? o? And she yeah. keeps asking, and they keep blowing her off and not saying. They're like, "She's like double O, double O what?" Yeah, the double the o. banter that Lashana Lynch, who yep. played uh, the new Double O Seven, yep. and J- and Daniel Craig had was so on point. Oh yeah, like they it just seemed like they knew each other for years. Oh yeah, like the back and forth they had. And as Bond is getting recruited in to find this out, and obviously the the shadow of Spectre is haunting over everybody. Yeah. And he has to go track down Blofeld to really see what's in going Cuba. on. Cuba. Yeah, I mean, just this just a scene in Cuba where Blofeld pulls the assassination attempt. I want I want to give a shout out before that. I and and I wish I would have seen more of her. The young lady who is the trainee, fresh out of training, oh, yeah, for two three, weeks. No, th- yeah, two weeks or three weeks, whatever she says. And and An- she, uh, Anna Diarmas, yes. Yes. Oh, she's so she was awesome. I would have liked to see a callback to her later in the film. Unfortunately, we don't get that. That is one of my only gripes in this film. I'm not even joking because I think it was it was a that was where we got a lot of fun banter between mm-hmm. her and Bond, and we also got a, a a really good sense of like, wow, she only trained for. Three weeks allegedly, but she's kicking ass like no other. But yeah, the the Spectre stuff and uh, yeah, there's you, a, there's a meeting like every Spectre m- member, which doesn't happen that often. And all of a sudden, he hears Spectre and he's like, "Okay, I'm in." Yeah, so he goes in, but obviously due to a little switching around by a scientist, the biochemical nanobites the, they were going to kill Bond with this. This he is the guest of honor at Blofeld's. Uh, birthday party. Yeah. So they were going to kill him. That was his, he was the guest of honor. They have the spotlight on him, and then they all end up dead. All the mean, <laughs> all the meanwhile, Blofeld is still under lock and key in London. And all the meanwhile, this is all going on. M, uh, played by Ray Fiennes, is shitting his pants back in London because he knows what got stolen. He knows he's responsible for it, and he has to stop it, and he can't. Yes. So we get taken on the wild ride where Bond is trying to track down Blofeld. Obviously, when you're dealing with biotech weaponry. Things get a little crazy. It's never good. It's never good. And then when Bond goes to confront him in the jail cell, obviously he runs into Madeline two years Christ, later after leaving yeah. her. That was your first. That was the first look between the two of them. That yeah. was good. Although by this time she has now been unwillingly recruited mm-hmm. by Surfin to kill Blofeld with yeah. the nanotechnology. All she has to do is put it on her skin and then touch him. Yeah. And of course she has cold feet, but not before she gets grabbed by. James Bond. So now James Bond unknowingly has the nanotechnology on his hand. So when finally the button gets pushed too far, he uh, chokes the shit out and, of him. And they did, <laughs> yeah. they did such a great job of this because we see her put the spray that was given to her on her wrist and rub it together. And we see them go in the room together. And there's so much tension. And obviously, if you're a longtime fan, Bond and Blofeld, it's as old as time. You know, they do so much that, you, uh, that I forgot about that. And I went, holy shit! Wait, what happened? How did how did how, how did this happen? Oh, that's right. Back a couple scenes ago, X, Y, and Z happened. So they did a wonderful job of like giving you the clues as to what was going to happen, but then masking it with some stuff that was going on. And then, of course, he is also at this point in juncture teasing Bond with a secret that he knows that Bond doesn't know. Yeah, and that is the first mention of a secret that will come up in a little bit, but. It was kind of cool. So he's teasing with that. He pushes all the right buttons. He gets choked. <laughs> they pull mm-hmm. Bond off, and then he dies because of the nanotechnology. Because yep. Bond unwillingly kills him. <laughs> well, they they also do a bit of a soft, a bit of a retcon too, because uh, 
Q is then examining bottom about the nanotech and all that. And he goes, well, it's, you know, bringing up, of course, they set up, they said inspector that, oh, oh, we're, you know, Blofeld and Bond are brothers, you know, blah, blah, blah. Q goes, and I noticed this, it was a very deliberate line of, well, it's a good thing you're not actually blood related. Yeah. Right. So, so they, a bit of change in that back. By, by the way, great line to correct what they needed to correct. By yeah. The uh, but I also want to point out that the, with that scene, we also find out for the first time that once you get the nano technology on you, it, it can't wash off. Yeah. So if you uh, he was to touch anybody else that was related to Blofeld at that moment, DNA wise, blood wise, they would die. Mm-hmm. And that, for the rest of his life, it's a it's a wild scenario they played out, but they definitely held up to it throughout the entire film. So as Bond goes trying to track down Madeline, he does come up to a big surprise. Ooh, yes. Very big surprise that uh, Madeline has a, has a young daughter. Yes. Uh-huh. About five years old. Uh-huh. And she just happens to have blue eyes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, of course, Bond, the spy that he is, is like she has she's got my blue. eyes. Yeah. It, it's not, is it? It's not, is and it? she says, no. 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 That is not. She's not your daughter. Don't, do not worry about it. Yeah, but obviously we everybody knew. <laughs> yeah. It was like the worst kept secret you could think of. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But during this time, too, Saffron makes his move. And kidnaps Madeline and Bond's daughter and takes off to his secret island just in completely James Bond manner. Oh, yeah. How awesome is it that we finally go back to secret layers? Yes. I marked out for that. Very, very much with the Dr. No vibes with this oh, layer, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. So now we have the, uh, the unlikely couple mm-hmm. of now, by the way, former 007 because uh-huh. she asks... She asks if if Commander no, Bond number, can number change can can now can return his number to 007. And when he looks at her like, what the hell? She's like, it's just a number. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like the respect there, and they're gonna go to war, the two of them. Yeah. I yeah. guess an entire island. Yeah. And uh the odds are pretty good. I just want to throw that out there for for whatever reason. But uh when they go there, here's my other problem with the the movie. I'm speeding up a little bit though. Yeah. Uh so Saffron's got the the daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. He puts he puts Madeline away. She's imprisoned. He, he's trying to blind her with a poison thing, which we find out she ends up blinding the one eyed guy. Yeah. His only good eye ends up gone. Uh, but uh, you, when we get to the scene where, of course, uh, Bond and Saffron have the first standoff. You know, here I have the uh, the little girl is sitting next to him at a you know, he's all Japanese style. Yeah, so it's like a nice Japanese style table. They're sitting there. And Bond comes up. They make him just, you know, take down all the weapons, you know, or she gets it. And then they don't even cut to the chase. He's just like, yeah, well, we all know this is your daughter. So I'll tell you what. You can leave with the girl and leave me to do what I want to do. Or we can just kill. We'll kill her. You know, he throws a pillow and his his henchmen just blow the pillow out of the sky. Of course, Bond's sticking the mandolin. But my problem with it is like. The reveal that it's his daughter, which we already knew. Yeah. yeah. But the reveal comes just right then and there. Like, it's a throwaway. Like, like he's like, yeah, well, well. you know, it's not even like we don't already know. We, you know, he already anticipates that he knows. And it's like, but, I mean, yes, we all knew and we kind of thought it. But shouldn't the reveal come a little differently? That was one of my slight problems. I mean, it's, it's Bond. You know, he probably figured even though. That's she, what I was going even, with. Even oh, though, well, yeah. even though even yeah. he's, a, he's a spy. He's, he's smart. I mean, he's smarter than all get out. You know, there's no way that her saying, oh, no, that's not your daughter. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. He, he knew. But that leads to the badass. Uh, he looks like he's begging for forgiveness. No, he's just pulling out another gun and he lays waste to every guard in that room. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. In about yeah, was, a second. That was good. 
it's a cool thing. And then Saffron takes off. And then, I mean, this had to be like my only gripe with the film. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> this one is, I, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I think this is most people's gripe. Because like Saffron is sitting there and the girl is fighting off because obviously she does not want to go with him. And then he's like, well, if you well, want to well, go. Well, mention, just mention, she drops her doo-doo. Yes. That's her little doll. Yep. Uh, yes, the doll's name is Doodoo. Don't ask. Uh, but, yeah, she bites him and then. <laughs> yeah, he goes, well, if you want to go, go. And she takes off. Yeah. Well, it is a it was, okay. It's not great, but it is a funny scene in essence. And I don't know if it's supposed to be funny because she he's like, "Well, you can either be safe with me, or if you want to go, just go." And she just like looks and stops for a minute, and she turns around and just waters off. Yeah. Only only thing it, it was weird for me, and it didn't sit well with me being a longtime Bond fan. The only thing I can file it under is is just it's it was there to kind of illustrate that like not how all how he you know the villain wasn't all there. That just he does stuff at the drop of a hat and on a whim, you know. They're like, "Oh, hey, I could take you, but ah, you know what? Just leave." I, mm. I get it, but here's my problem. The only problem I had with it is it. I felt like if you it was played for comedy a little bit because of the way yeah, it was shot, yeah. And it just was like, this is not the time for comedy. That was like one of because like yeah. they they look at her and then she pauses for a minute before she wanders off. So that's kind of funny in its own. And then they look at him and he kind of makes the. Nah, face like yeah. eh, whatever and all the meanwhile this is going on we have the diplomatic tensions going on because the island they're on is a disputed island between the countries of russia and japan mm-hmm. that there's a they know they they know what's on the island that it's this nanotech you know that'll kill they're like they start running rough estimates and it's like gonna kill billions of people that they're like we need to destroy this island so that nothing can come out of it there just happens to be a british destroyer ship in the area that can shoot missiles and, and destroy the island but they're like, listen, that's going to set off the Russians and the Japanese. They're going to want answers. What do we do? Just ignore the call. Don't answer them. So all the meanwhile, this is going on. You've got a British destroyer ship in disputed waters with the Russians and Japanese going, what the fuck are you doing? And, and on top of this, now we find that they have to open up the blast doors. Yeah. Because it won't destroy the island unless they or open so the blast what, doors. What did you say? Q said that like you've got to open the blast doors or else it'll bounce off the top of them like a trampoline. Yep. Yes. So all the while, and we, got the, and we got the family reunion. Yeah, we get the family reunion, and Bond gets everybody away safely. But he has to go back oh, because don't skip over it. We find out that this little liquid that these people have been in is fucking some kind of acid the whole time. Yeah, because some some guard goes into it, and then we get finally the greatest payoff because the uh, the doctor he's a little he's a little asshole. And nobody likes him. No. And she finally pisses off the new 007, and she's like, you know what? It's time for you to die. It just kicks him in. We don't need you anymore. Again, call back to Dr. No. Yep, and just kicks him in. Goodbye. And it it was awesome. But yes, and now he sends him off safely. Yeah, he sends him off safely, but he has to go back because something has triggered the the silos to start shutting The doors are closing. Yeah, so he has to go back. And then he goes and picks up the bunny that's on the ground. And then Saffron. Oh, no, but we missed the first part. Before that, when he opens the doors, because he sends them away and then goes and opens the doors. And then, he, and then he's leaving, oh, that's right. he finds the doll. But when he goes up initially and there's the badass fight scene for him to get up to the silo, yeah. the, the, the control room, the best part is like somebody drops a grenade. He picks the grenade up, he throws it up, and it explodes. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, six more grenades drop to the ground. <laughs> Toss was, this one. It was hilarious. And then he dives behind something. But uh, So, yes. Yeah, so after he opens the doors, he finds the he, he's on his way to leave the island. He finds the doll. When he finds the doll... The doors are getting reclosed because that's when we're going to get the standoff. Yeah, because during that time, I like I forgot about the stairwell battle because it reminded me too much of like the Marvel Netflix shows when they're all fighting oh, in a hallway. Yeah. It's the one camera shot as they're going up there. Yeah, but yeah. that that grenade scene is amazing. The grenade, <laughs> the grenade scene is great though. You, you're right. But as he goes up there, he finds the stuffed doll and gets shot for his trouble. And then Saffron and him are kind of having the like the final standoff, dude. 
the most brutal arm snap ah. in the history of fucking movies. Ah. Yeah. Dude, Saffron's arm is like completely backwards. But he gets the last laugh because how he was controlling Madeline is he had this little vial or little mm, like keychain kind of thing yeah. that uh, had the nanotech that was to her DNA. And uh, in the ensuing battle, he smashes it and pierces uh, Bond with it. Yeah. So he then has the greatest villain speech of all time, by the way. Remy Malik, amazing as a villain. Oh, fantastic. And in his speech, while he's sitting there with this horribly broken arm yeah. in the water, knowing that there's no way that he he's walking out alive, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. And he's just like, listen, I spent my life alone. Now you will too. I took everything, you know, you, you might you might kill me here, but you I've taken everything from you because now you can never touch the ones you love again or else if you touch them, they will die. He was like, so, you know, whatever. And Bond, of course, being badass at the moment, he does what, pulls the gun out of the water, looks at him, Shoots. he says something, and he just fires a couple shots in his head. I loved it. Yeah. But then we get to the emotional part of the movie and where uh, I said they had the most balls. Yeah. Because in my estimate, this was great. So he starts to climb to reopen the, the doors. He's running out of time. Q keeps telling him, hey, just get out of there. You're running out of time. And he's like, no, I'm, I got to get this done. And he's very whatever. And all of a sudden it dawns on Q like, oh, no. Yeah. Because that's the exact line from Q. Oh, no. The, the nano you got. And he's like, yeah. Now, mind you, they've already had some stones up to here the size of Everest. Because as we forgot to mention, they killed Felix Leiter earlier. Oh, yeah. Night. I forgot about that. Yeah. They killed Felix Leiter. They killed all of Spectre. That, yes. And then they killed Blofeld, which, mind you, behind the scenes, peek behind Inside Baseball. The rice for Spectre had been in dispute for like 30 some odd years between the company that was doing the non-Bond films and Ian Fleming. So that's why in one of the previous Bond films, they killed him in the opening sequence because, mm. hey, we can't use him. We might as well just. That's why you never see his face. You you see the back of him in the bald guy with a cat. You're like, all right, that's clearly Blofeld. But they don't they do enough to avoid avoid the copyright issue. They killed him off. So go 30 years without having him bring him back finally just to kill him off. So they've already had some stones in this movie. Yeah. So as he's going up, he says that he wants to just talk to Madeline. So he's kind of talking to her. Of course, she's upset. When this happens, he already opens the the hatches. He climbs to the roof, and of course, the airstrike is on its way, moments away. Uh, they're 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 changing. I love yous, if you will. Yeah. And then they kill that motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean to and drop they, the f bomb there. And they leave no room for like, oh, he might have survived. No, no. he's dead. <laughs> they like blow the, the part of the island up. <laughs> the missile gets oh because the missile from the ship to where target is like eight or nine minutes. The missile gets over to the, like the crust of the island and then it stops and it explodes into like a thousand other missiles, you know, not just one big missile, like a thousand. Mind you, there's multiple of these missiles. Yeah. And they, they like, explode into thousands. There's like a couple thousand missiles that drop onto this island to destroy it completely. There's no room. That dude is dead. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. They kill James Bond at the end of the film. Amazingly ballsy. After all the other deaths, as he pointed out, we didn't even forgot about it, all the ballsy deaths. But think about that. They kill James Bond. I know this was the last Daniel Craig movie, but usually you're used to when somebody's leaving, you get the little happy send off. Yeah. The yeah. happy ending. No. Bond is dead. And you ain't bringing him back. <laughs> it's absolutely wild to see, but they left no room for error. It was the perfect send off for this era. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Because it's been the most grounded of any of the of any of the runs, you know, and and I don't think you could do the campy, you know, oh, you're on a raft in the middle of the ocean making out with a girl while you cut the line of the rescue boat tugging you to safety. Yeah. Like you couldn't do any of those campy, you know, it can't be like, oh, what is he doing? Oh, he's, he's keeping up the British end of the flag. You know, those sexual innuendos. Like, 
I don't think that would work for this franchise. That like it worked for those time and periods, you know, the campiness and whatever. But just as grounded and as realistic as these movies have been, Christ, Bond got his you know where hit with a goddamn rope in the first movie. Mm-hmm. You know, just the torture scene in Casino Royale. This is the only way you could have done it, and it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. I mean, even when they have the final send off with everybody at MI6 and they just kind of have the drink on the table and like ready to get back to work. And then you see Madeline talking to her daughter and let me tell you about a man, Bond, James Bond. Yeah. And, and, see, and cue that the music. Cue, you know, we have all the time in the world by Duke Ellington, which was perfect. Yeah. Oh, so good. Such a great, such a great movie. But yeah, no, movie did very well at the box office uh, this weekend with the extended weekend here over in the states. Uh, grossed fifty five point two million dollars uh, internationally. It is currently at two hundred fifty nine uh, million dollars for a worldwide total of three hundred fourteen point two million dollars on a three hundred thirteen million budget. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And so with it being in theaters for like one weekend or something like that. Uh, currently for the year, it is sitting at number 12 uh, for the for the year uh, in f- behind Conjuring, Devil Made Me Do It, Space Jam 2, Cruella, Godzilla vs. Kong, Jungle Cruise, Free Guy, Venom 2, Quiet Place 2, Fast 9, Black Widow, and Shang-Chi. And I think it's going to move up that list quite It's going to get up there real quick. But, Absolutely. Uh, it's amazing. They made their money back opening weekend in the pandemic with a $313 million budget. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's that's pretty impressive uh, on the global scale. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, it did open in the UK on the 30th of September. Something like that, yeah. But uh, it's still, it's a, it's a week in, no matter how you look at it. Uh-huh. And, and it's it's already made its money back. Oh, yeah. I so, think this movie's perfect. Yeah. So where do you rank this all time in the Bonds? Because now this is the 25th yeah. film in the franchise. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I'll, I'll give you my 25 to 1 ranking because I did get the James Bond Blu-ray collection minus uh, No Time to Die, obviously, but it did include the other 24. So going from bottom to top, uh, my number 25, I've got On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And listen, I'm going to catch some flack for some of this, but this is my personal list. You can debate me at Meselin, M-E-S-E-L-Y-N on Twitter. I will more than gladly have these discussions longer with you. Uh, but I've got in the last place On Her Majesty's Secret Service. This, of course, is the one film that George Lazenby is in. Uh, you know, came out in 1969. It's 142 minutes. You know, it's okay. It's, it's, but I just, I just, for some reason, it just doesn't click with me. Mm. It's a good story. You know, it's fine, but just, it doesn't click with me. Uh, next up, I've got A View to a Kill. Uh, this one from Roger Moore came out in, where's the year? There it is, in 1985. Uh, you know, 131 minutes. I believe this was towards the end of, uh, I believe, yeah, no, this was, this was Roger Moore's final film uh, as James Bond. And boy, can you tell it? Uh, you know, because there are certain action sequences that take place in, in Paris where he's jumping off of the Eiffel Tower, and I just don't believe it. Also, this movie drags. It's 131 minutes. It feels like 400 fucking minutes. Yeah. Because I remember watching this film and thinking, oh, i got to be close to the end of this. Holy shit, I'm only halfway through. Although it is one of the best sound, uh, is one of the best theme songs of all time by Duran Duran. Eh, just want to throw that out there. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is. It is one of. It is not one of the best movies, but it is one of the best theme songs. That thing's yeah. yeah that theme still slaps. Uh, after that, I've got License to Kill, uh, which from Timothy Dalton uh, came out in 1989. 133 minutes. Listen, Dalton's good as Bond. Just neither of his movies really sell me. They're okay. You know, I don't. He didn't really get necessarily a long run. He only got two movies, the other one of which coming up soon. Uh, after that, I've got From Russia With Love. This was Sean Connery's second foray as James Bond. Uh, came out in 1963. It's 115 minutes. 
Movie's good. Just for some reason, just had a hard time keeping my attention with it. But, it, you know, it's okay. Uh, after that, Thunderball, uh, again, t- starring Sean Connery. This one came out in 1965. It's 130 minutes. Again, a lot of these lower movies, decent movies, just had a hard time keeping my attention with them. Uh, after that, I've got Diamonds Are Forever. Again, Sean Connery, uh, you know, came out in 1971. This is 120 minutes. Uh, this was after On Her Majesty's Secret Service. So this was, you know, Sean Connery took his leave. Lazenby came in. Then he came back. Listen, this movie's okay, but you can, directed by Guy Hamilton, you can tell Connery mails it in for like half of this movie. Mm. It, 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 you can tell he's just not into it, and he's like, oh, I'm re- regretting my, uh, my choices here. Uh, after that, I've got For Her, Your Eyes Only. Uh, this one with Roger Moore, uh, you know, came out in 1981, uh, 127 minutes. Great opening song, if I do say so myself. Love this. I love the opening song. Uh, this one directed by John Glenn. This one's really fun, you know, definitely one of the better uh, Roger Moore ones, if I had to say. Uh, then you've got Live and Let Die, uh, again, directed by Guy Hamilton, Roger Moore. Uh, ninth, came out in 1973 in 121 minutes. Also probably the most played Bond theme song in all of time. That's right. Listen, turn mm-hmm. on your classic rock radio station. You will probably hear this song on radio today. Uh, Paul yeah. McCartney. You'll hear it by two different bands. Yes. The original, which is in this movie by Wings and Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, Guns, Guns and Roses, Roses. in yeah. the remake. Yep. Uh, after that, you've got You Only Live Twice, which was uh, Connery's initial farewell. Uh, obviously, he came back. Uh, this one came out in 1967. It's 117 minutes. Got a great opening theme song by Nancy Sinatra. Uh, also, probably the greatest lair in film history. Fight me on that one. Uh, great film. Uh, after that, you've got uh, Moonraker, which came out in uh, 1979 with Roger Moore. Uh, runs 126 minutes. Uh, this was not the original film that was supposed to come out this year. Uh, this one was uh, supposed to be, I forget which one it was, but it was whatever one comes out next. But because of the success of Star Wars, they did a 180 and were like, oh, we need to do the space one first. Mm-hmm. You know, definitely a good movie. Also got, you know, got a pretty good uh, opening theme song. Uh, you've got Die Another Day, which is which is okay. You know, it's it, it's better than what I remembered. You know, I remember hating the shit out of this, but it's better than I remembered. Uh, you know, this was Pierce Brosnan's final uh, film uh, as Bond. You know, came out in two thousand two. Uh, you know, runs one hundred and thirty three minutes. Of course, this has got Halle Berry in it. You know, it's it's not bad. It's it's okay. Uh, then I've got The Living Daylights uh, with Timothy Dalton, Timothy Dalton's second one. Better than, you know, uh, License to Kill, but, you know, still, eh, so-so. Uh, came out in 1987. It's 131 minutes. Uh, then you've got Quantum of Solace. Uh, this was Daniel Craig's second uh, run as James Bond, directed by Mark Foster. Uh, came out in uh, 2008. Runs 106 minutes, so it, it is the short. Daniel Craig has got both the shortest Bond film of all time and then the longest Bond film of all time. Uh, this one actually held up better than I thought it would because I remember, and maybe this was just, you know, public perception and the, and the internet. Like I remember seeing the movie and thinking it was okay. And then I'm like, ah, it's kind of shit, but you know what? It's better than I remember. It's not the best of Craig's run, as you can clearly tell. After that, I've got the man with the golden gun, uh, directed by Guy Hamilton. Uh, this has got Roger Moore in it. It's also got the incredible Christopher Lee playing the villain. You know, you uh, came out in 1974. It's 125 minutes. This one's really great. I, I love the hell out of this one. Also gave one of the most classic Bond uh, weapons of all time in The Golden Gun. Uh, you've got The World Is Not Enough next up on my list with Pierce Brosnan. Uh, this one came out in 1999, uh, ran 125 minutes. I'll admit, I had not seen this one until I saw it during my uh, watch through. 
enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. You mm. know, the theme song, not really anything special, but definitely a fun watch. Uh, after that, I've got Spectre, uh, which, of course, with Daniel Craig. Uh, this was Sam Mendes' second run, uh, second film as uh, director. Came out in 2015. Uh, definitely a good movie. After that, I've got Dr. No, which, of course, started the whole franchise off. Uh, came out in uh, way back when in 1962, uh, starring Sean Connery. A great film. You know, franchise wouldn't be what it is without uh, Dr. No. After that, I've got Octopussy. Yes, that is the name of the film. Uh, came out in, uh, where is it? There it is, 1983 uh, with Roger Moore. Great film. Loved it a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, then you've got Spy Who Loved Me uh, with Roger Moore. It came out in 1977. Also got a great theme song. Uh, then you've got Goldeneye. Yes. Yeah, Goldeneye. I've been waiting on this one. Goldeneye, Pierce Brosnan, Sean Bean, uh, you know, came out in 1995. Uh, runs 130 minutes. Although, first time I saw this movie... Confused the shit out of me why the Soviet Union was still the villains, even though I knew history. I'm like, wait, it's 19, it's in the 1990s. Why is the Soviet Union still around? This is the best game for the N64, bar none. Uh-huh. Proximity Mines. I will take on anybody still to this day. Anybody who wants them at OD Parlay Hour. We'll yeah. make this happen. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great movie. And the theme song by Tina Turner is still so goddamn good. No, no, we're talking the video game. We're talking the Nintendo 64. No, no we're, we're talking the movie here. No, no, we're talking Guy. the game. Okay. Uh, after that, I've got No Time to Die, of course, which we just talked about. Uh, then I've got Goldfinger, uh, you know, directed by Guy Hamilton, uh, starred Sean Connery. Uh, came out in 1964, 110 minutes. Arguably the greatest Bond theme of all time from Shirley Bassey. Movie's so good. Also introduced us to one of the best henchmen, if not the best henchmen of all time in Ajab with that lethal hat he would throw. Yeah. Uh, after that, I've got Casino Royale as my number two film. Uh, this was Daniel Craig's first film, obviously, uh, came out in 2006, runs you 144 minutes. This is a modern Bond. This is a grounded Bond. You know, there's not any of the campy tropes or the wacky hijinks, but you still got, it's it's probably, if you're going to introduce somebody to Bond, this is a good place to start, just because a lot of the older films are great. There's nothing wrong with them, but just, it, it they're dated. It's it's a little hokey in some places. I mean, there's the one film, I can't, it's one of Connery's films where he gets in a fight with a guy in a bathroom, tosses him into a bathtub, and then throws the, the fan into the bathtub and electrocutes him and kills him. And he just looks and goes, shocking. Yeah. You know, to a lot of people nowadays, that'll be a little odd and a little, a little weird might pull him out of it. But if you want to start somebody with Bond, Casino Royale is probably the place to start. Number one, you probably see it coming, Skyfall. Sam Mendes is director, Daniel Craig. You know, Javier Bardem is the villain. You know, uh, came out in 2012, 143 minutes. Probably the best love letter to Bond in in recent memory. You know, everything just from start to finish is incredible. You get the awesome reveal of the Aston Martin DB5 making its reappearance and the classic music, you know, you know, when the film gets, when the car gets revealed, Start to finish, it's incredible. I still rewatch it every once in a while to this day. So good. Solid list, Pad. Thank you. I'm not going to give my whole 25 because that's a take too. But I, I'll tell you my top six. The only reason I want to get my sixth in is because number six is actually Goldeneye. So just yeah, to excite, just to excite you for a little bit. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Proximity mines all day on that game. But uh, number five is Doctor No. Okay. Uh, number uh, four is actually No Time to Die. Uh, number three is Goldfinger. 
No, and then I have the same one and two. Believe it or yeah. not, you was Casino yeah. Royale at two and Skyfall at one. I've seen the I've seen a lot of lists out there. A lot of people flip those two. Yeah, but I'm I I still I think Skyfall is, in my opinion, is a better movie than ca- Casino Royale. Not taking anything away from Casino Royale, but I used to say that my favorite Bond was, of course, Sean Connery. Uh-huh. And as you can tell in my top five, I have two Sean Connery films. Yeah, but uh, I think I think it's safe to say Daniel Craig has surpassed him because. Oh yeah, in my and now in my list, uh, I have three Daniel Craig films. Oh, yeah. And uh, Spectre is also on my list further on. But I, I just—I was going to give my top five. But for you, go, dude, yeah. GoldenEye has one of the fun, f- I should say, most fun endings of all time. Yes. With the satellite dish. Yeah. yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. If you've yeah. never seen GoldenEye, watch GoldenEye just for the end. And then if, you've, if you're a Botchamania fan. There is a great Botchamania ending. I wish I knew what number it was, where they did the uh, Road, Road Warrior Hawk. Oh god! So it was like it was like Road Warrior Hawk going down for the pin, and then the thing, the the, the middle falls and it hits him, and then he's like, and he's back up. <laughs> no that soul. is incredible. So now you can re- relate that to Cody Rhodes. We'll say if, and if you don't own any of the movies, there is a, a streaming service called Pluto TV, which is a free streaming service. It's like it's like basically like TV. It's got a whole bunch of channels, you know specific to certain shows like there's a fear factor channel there's like a 70s channel 80s channel there is a channel on there that is a 007 james bond channel that is running all 20 i'm not sure if it's all 24 but it's running most of the bond films in rotation so just pop that on anytime you can watch a james bond film also throwing it out there paramount plus has a lot of them as well this is true just so that way if, if you have paramount plus it's a good way you can watch, and not all of them, but you can watch a good majority of them. I think the Craig ones, I think there's only a couple of the Craig ones on Paramount+. Plus. If there's, there's a couple ever been a more on. confusing thing about the Bond franchise, it's the streaming rights are all over the goddamn place. Oh, yeah, but yeah. Paramount Plus does have a good one. Pluto TV is a good idea as well, but also Paramount Plus does have a bunch. Out of the 24, I think they have at least half, if not at a least, little more. yeah. And, of course, you can find everything on Amazon Prime, but you might have to, uh, Prime Video, you might have to pay for it there. Yeah. But you know what? It's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. I mean, Bond is Bond. It's it's classic. It's vintage. It is timeless. You can't go wrong anywhere with it. I agree with you guys about one and two. That's my one and two as well. I can just con- continue ranting about GoldenEye and the greatness that is the Nintendo 64 game, but I will not hold up anybody else about that. We've talked a lot about James Bond tonight, and we definitely want to keep that conversation going with you, so definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod, and hashtag 3FNPod. Talk to Rich about it too as well. No time to die. Was it a great send-off or what for Daniel Craig's time as James Bond? The 25th film is in the theaters right now. Let us know what you think about it. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast with Rich from 3FN in the house. Pad, what you got for those one shots? Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, first of which is on November 16th of 2021, there will be a return. Which after 2,512 days or six years, 10 months, and 16 days, rising from the ashes of a very poor business decision. <laughs> and a failed business decision, might I add. Because that channel they replaced it with ain't doing shit, and I don't think it's on the air anymore. 
G4 is finally returning to the airwaves and to our lives. It's already been kind of sort of back, but not in a full-blown sense. Uh, it was tweeted today as we record the podcast uh, on the at G4 TV Twitter account. Just a simple 11-16-2021 in a real quick video. Uh, reading from the article on IGN.com, says in 2021, G4 will launch on not only the channel lineups of Verizon Fios, Cox, and Xfinity TV, but will also stream on Philo and collaborate with Twitch on a multi-year promotional and commercial partnership through G4's official Twitch channel. Channel-specific content will also be featured on G4's social platform and YouTube. G4 programming is set to be delivered through a first-of-its-kind 24-7 broadcast studio, which looks to also serve as a collaborative workplace and professional esports and gaming environment. Uh, G4 Studio is located in Burbank, California, and is uh, designed by Poplopis, the company behind Yankee Stadium, Red Bull HQ, and esports stadium Arlington. Uh, the official lineup features the return of such classic shows as X-Play and Attack of the Show, alongside new shows like the weekly esports comedy series, Esports comedy series boosted uh, the launch lineup uh, with descriptions from G4 is as follows. I won't give the descriptions, but the lineup is Attack of the Show, which launched Olivia Munn's career, also brought us Kevin Pereira. Uh, X-Play uh, boosted, which I mentioned, Ninja Warrior, uh, the, the Japanese version, not the American yes, version. Yes, yes, it's arrived again. The uh, ESL Gaming, uh, so they, G4 is partnering with ESL Gaming, the world's leading esports and gaming lifestyle company, to produce and broadcast several primetime esports programming. Uh, and then also Dungeons and Dragons Limited series, uh, coming off the immense success of D and D Live 2021, featuring noted notable celebrities like Jack Black, Tiffany Haddish, Kevin Smith, Doctor Lepo. Uh, G4 will continue its partnership with Wizards of the Coast with an all new limited run series to premiere with on G4 this fall. The series will follow four campaigns with a mix of G4 talent, veteran D and D players, and celebrities for a new generation of D and D fans. I cannot wait for this to come back. G4 was my shit back on when it was on TV. Because listen, this is before Twitch. This is before YouTube live streaming. This is before Twitter. You know, Twitter was kind of at its start when, when I was watching G4. But it was nothing. The internet was nothing to what it is now for live streaming events. So if I wanted to watch anything about E3, I had to go to G4. You know, if I wanted to find out about gaming reviews, I had to go to G4, you know, with X-Play. Attack of the Show and all their pop culture news and just some of the fun antics that they used to get into. I cannot wait for this to come back. I'm excited for this. I'm super excited, and I also got to throw it out there. Uh, congrats to Xavier Woods, who will be on yeah. G4 as well. Yes, that's yeah. a big so move for that's him. That's awesome there, because he's going to be one of the personalities over there in G4, so I can't wait to see that even further. Yeah. Uh, then other thing I got is it was announced while we were at Con, but it definitely caught my eye. Uh, after a lot of leaks and a whole bunch of rumors, it was officially confirmed that Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, the definitive edition, is coming out. Uh, this comprising of Grand Theft Auto 3, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, and Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Uh, they will be released for PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, the Nintendo Switch, and PC via the Rockstar Games launcher later this year with mobile ports uh, to follow next year. Uh, all three games will, quote, feature across-the-board upgrades, including graphical improvements and modern gameplay enhancements for all three titles, while still maintaining the classic look and feel of the originals. Uh, there will be more details coming in the coming weeks. They have not, uh, Rockstar has not confirmed if the games will be released as a single package, individual titles, or both. Uh, and then, all, as expected, the existing versions of all three games will be removed from digital storefronts in the next week. Uh, Rockstar also announced that 
that the games will come to iOS and Android uh, in the first half of 2022. So I'm definitely excited for this because it's been a long time since I've played some of those games. It'd be fun to go back at them again. I, I just have one fear because they said on the, kind of the original, are, are they, are they going to make GTA 1 not just a little like dot guy with a gun and the, the square parts? Because <laughs> I'm just hoping that they're going to port that over to like what we know as GTA. That's my only qualm because all the other ones kind of have the, yeah. the right feel yeah, to them. Yeah. But GTA 1, if you guys are old like me, yeah, you will remember that yeah. it was uh, <laughs> the guy, it was like, it was bird's eye view. The cars were all square yeah, yeah. and or rectangles. Squares or rectangles because uh, depending on the car. Yeah. And then the guy looked just like you could see like a little something out of his hand. And like I said, bird's eye view is never good. Yeah. yeah well, I don't think one's included. I think it's just GTA 3, Vice City, and then okay. San Andreas. All right. All right. Uh, and then, oh, switching over to my comic picks, uh, this week you've got Avengers issue number 49 coming out this week, uh, where the description reads, World War She-Hulk goes nuclear. War between war beneath the waves? The Winter Hulk has been sent to Atlantis with a dark mission, and things will get even darker and bloodier if the Russian super assassin Red Widow has her way. But no matter who wins, She-Hulk and the Avengers will be changed forever, and next month it all explodes in Avengers issue number 750. Damn. I know. I did not realize they were up that high already. Crazy. Uh, then you've also got Batman 89, issue number three. Uh, the Joker, issue number eight. Star Wars The High Republic, The Trail of Shadows, issue number one of five. Uh, then you've also got Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunter, issue number five out of five. So there's a finale going on with War of the Bounty Hunters. And then, last but certainly not least, Superman and the Authority, issue number four. Solid list right there, Pad. Uh, for me this week, my picks at the comic shop, uh, Power Rangers 12 by Boom Studios. Ryan Parrott is doing this epic setup for a big uh, saga going on between the Mighty Morphin comic and the Power Rangers book. So if you want to get caught up before it really kicks off next month, uh, this is the time to go grab it. Like I said, they're doing very solid work. Uh, Francisco Mortarino is on the art for this. And like, if you're not super into Power Rangers, I would definitely give this book a read because this they're doing some really solid work on this book. Like I say, I'm not the biggest uh, fan of the Power Rangers, but I've been fortunate enough to read what they have coming out. Um, obviously getting the press release from Boom Studios. Shout out to Boom. It's been great, and it's been a fun read. So I can't recommend that enough. So that's going to be hitting the shops this week. I already mentioned at Comixology Unlimited this week, you definitely want to go get clear number one. Scott Snyder's new book he has coming out with Francis Manipal, and it's a sci-fi murder mystery. It looks dope. I can't wait to read this. I'm going to try seeking, possibly get this on Parlay Points this week. Uh, Power Rangers will be coming out, Power Rangers number 12. And last but certainly not least, Hitting the Shelves. I preach about this book quite often because I think it's the coolest book on the shelf, bar none. And if you are into James Bond, this is a book you need to go get by Valiant Comics, Ninjack number four. They're wrapping up the first story arc. Jeff Parker and Javier Polito have been doing this amazing run with basically mix James Bond with Batman, and that's what you get with Ninjack. All right. It's fantastic. Uh, Benny Lobel is also helping on the art for this issue, and this is going to be something I'm telling you right now. If you want something that has like a very cool retro vibe, like the old school James Bond, this is the book to go get. I can't stress enough, like, go back, get issues one, two, and three, and get caught up right to four. It is worth the read, so shout out to Valiant for that as well. That's going to be dropping on Parlay Points this week as well. Rich, what you got for one shots? Oh, man. I have, so uh, one shots for me is this week, of course, the big movie, if you will, coming out is the sequel 
to uh, Halloween 2018. Of course, that is Halloween Kills. That comes out this Friday as you hear this uh, podcast. Myself and Ken M. will be going to see it on Thursday because you're doing a guest spot over on the So Wizard podcast. Yes, next week I'll be on So Wizard. Shout out to Joey and Markellis. I'll be doing the show with them reviewing Halloween Kills. So I, obviously I got to get caught up on the horror genre. Who better to go with than Rich, who will guide me through the ways of Michael Myers? Yes, this should be uh, – I have high hopes for this. Uh, I know that there's some uh, uh, trepidation by certain members of the Sixers Zone podcast team. Uh, we're looking at you, Spooky Mike C, since yep. he, uh, he hates everything about 2018, and he's already started his hate for this before it even comes out. I know. He tried talking me out of this. And I, I'm just going to throw this out there. Like, Kidding, Mike. I, where, where he's <laughs> – where, where people are missing and dropping the ball on it is, yeah, we've come to a new age of Michael Myers. He's no longer just the stalking shape. He is now slaughtering people. Well, let's just enjoy the slasher film uh, because, let's be honest, the, the, the Michael Myers movies changed over the years anyways because after this little movie in 1980 came out, it was called, um, I do believe, Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. uh, everything in the slasher world changed. So I appreciate the breath of fresh air. I don't think that the 2018, I'm not one of the people who thought the 2018 movie was the end-all be-all. We talked about it during the break. Uh, the original Halloween in 1978 gets a 9.5 out of 10 on my scale uh, as far as my critic scale. And uh, 2018, I gave it a solid 6.5. Uh, so it's it's better than average. I still enjoyed the movie, found it very entertaining. And uh, I, I'm hoping the same uh, this uh, Thursday for us because we're going to go on premiere night. Mm-hmm. But it does come out everywhere on Friday. Also, notably, it is on the Peacock. And I, I want to give a shout-out. Because he's trying to, he's hitting us up. He's doing the, the Lord's work because as we're recording and going a little long because of New York Comic Con, we got a shout out at Crazy Curtis G A M one because he's uh, out there live tweeting NXT right now for the and tagging the OD Parlay Hour at OD Parlay Hour on Twitter and at Three Fat Nerds Pod on Twitter. So he is doing the Lord's work. So we're gonna give him a shout out right here. Salute to you, sir. By the way, they opened with Joe Gacy versus uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Oh, damn. I know. I was hoping that would be later, but I digress. So thank, thank you, Crazy Curtis, for hooking it up. So I, I love the fact that and see, like he even used the tags. He's using some hashtags. He's learning, man. Where we're teaching, there we go. we're teaching the, we're teaching the, the young boy with a tear in my eye, man. It's so it's awesome. I had to give him a shout out just for that. I just got that alert while we're sitting here. Absolutely, and I'll just kind of round it up very, very quickly. We have finally got our Adam Warlock to the MCU. Will Poulter is going to be playing Adam Warlock in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. If you're not familiar with the character, uh, Adam Warlock is very much connected to the Infinity Gems or Infinity Stones as they are. So this is going to be a big move for the MCU. I'm not sure exactly where this goes after Guardians 3. But definitely stay tuned for that. I'm all right with the casting. Uh, I'm good with it. I just wonder at any time, is he going to get his uh, penis bitten by something so it swells up? (laughs) See, here's the thing. With James Gunn, I'm saying it's 50-50. Because if you've seen We're the Millers, which he he starred in. I have, yeah. Yes. I'm saying it's 50-50 legit. No regrets. By the way, I just want to point it out there. That was a very funny movie. If you've never seen it, you should see it. It really is. It's a really funny movie. I I totally love it on the Variety article. They do highlight that point right here. That he was bitten on his testicles by a tarantula to yes. quote the article. So, yeah, everybody knows about it. But, listen, I'm solid with the casting. I I, I trust James Gunn and everything Feige's doing. So, until they screw something up really bad, I got to roll with it. And I got to plug, obviously, this Sunday, Fear the Walking Dead returns to AMC. There you go. So, if you want that real zombie show, that's the one you check out. Can't stress that enough. We'll be talking about that on next week's ODPH pod. So that all being said, the music that we heard on this edition of the ODPH, is that a shout at the robots? They're fantastic people. Pad, where do I go to find out about shout? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You go check out the music section. Check out everything going on with them. Tom Jolu, Second Suitor, Floodlands, Yard Party, Brian Wolf out of Austin, Texas. 
You can find all that great music you hear on the ODPH and, of course, 607 Podcast because we do have a lot of the uh, artists shared on both shows. So you definitely want to go support them. They're amazing people. Also, while you're at the page, you can go check out the directory, which has links on your favorite podcast platform to the ODPH podcast. So if you want to follow it and you're like, well, I don't listen on this platform, try this one. Trust me, it'll work. You'll be happier for it. You won't miss an episode of content. You can also check out the classifieds, which has friends of the show, organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter, all the amazing pod groups we are in. Because I say it once, I say it a thousand times. If you claim you're in a pod group and you're not on pod sheets or with your pod group, you're not in a pod group. Just saying. So shout out to the Apollos. Shout out to the Inner Circle. And since he's in the studio, I feel I'll just let him plug away at 8122productions.com. Tell the people what's going on there. Oh, yeah. 8122productions.com. Get all your information about the Three Fat Nerds podcast, all your information about Horror Zone 607, 607TWS, and more. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are shared between the two websites. Uh, links are up for TeePublic, uh, the TeePublic store. Uh, also, we have the links up for Twitch, twitch.tv slash 607podcast. We will be returning uh, to doing the 607TWS live streams next week, mm-hmm. uh, Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. However, this upcoming Thursday, before we go see Halloween Kills, we'll be recording uh, podcasts. In podcasts, it will go up on the Three Fat Nerds network of podcasting, so check that out as it does every week. But it will be up there exclusively. It'll be a shorter show. We're just going to kind of cover some bases uh, just to put a show out there for you guys. Uh, also, we were super tired after coming back from New York Comic Con, so we weren't live streaming on Monday. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll be making that triumphant return next week, though, just so you guys know. Also, uh, while I'm at it, patreon.com slash 8122productions for as little as $1 a month. You get a ton of extra bonus content. Listen, you get the Three Fat Nerds podcast early, and you get the uncut, unedited, uncooked edition, which, trust me, it is worth that dollar alone. I'm not just saying it because I'm the one that creates it. I'm saying it because it's... It's hilarious. I don't know how we pull it off each and every week. Also, uh, I you get Horror Zone 607, and that is also early and unslashed. And uh, then you get the two monthly like exclusive podcasts. Of course, that is a, the uh, I Love Movies, where we dissect movies that we loved in the past. Did they stand the test of time or they not? Some do, some don't. And then the last but certainly not least, the hottest show behind a paywall, Love is Scary with Dr. Derek and Spooky Mike. And I kind of know what Derek has in store for Spooky Mike this month, but I ain't telling because I don't. I, I know that there's a chance that Mike C. listens to the show, and I don't need him to know what uh, Derek has planned for him. Oh, I'm sure it's going to be epic. Uh, it, it, it could be as almost as good as the time we played that game on the show. Oh, wow. Uh, could oh, be. Oh, wow. Be. Stay tuned. Uh, but with that being said, uh, all that and much more. And once again, we're on all social medias. Uh, just follow us. It's Three Fat Nerds Pod. Throw an at in front of it if you have to. Like I said, there you go. And you can find all those links and so much more at odphpodcast.com. That's all we got for this week. Thank you again for Rich from 3FN stopping down. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Later, nerds. ODPH Society. For the one late Padawan J. Guys, pour one out. Smash mouth. Breaking up. Nah, screw that. Well, I, I'm your host. Hey, hey, Fred Durst is back though. So yeah, exactly. You take one, you lose one. It's okay. <laughs> I'm your host, Kenan. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.